Bam, we're live. Hey, Caleb, good morning. Hey, good morning. I know, I started four minutes early. It's okay. I, I, uh, I went to Supercuts yesterday. Why would you do that? Oh, you got your own haircut. And I walked in there, and there was no one in there, just the receptionist and a haircut lady, and she didn't have any customers. And she said, uh, and the receptionist was this young girl with the mask on, I don't know, 20 years old. She goes, she just looks at me. She goes, you're not going to shave your head, are you? I go, I am going to shave my head. She goes, a number four all the way around. I go, I don't know. I was thinking about like a number three on top and a one or two on the sides. She goes, you can't do that. I'm like, oh shit. Did my wife call ahead? Like, what is going on here? I said, what do you mean? She goes, you have such beautiful hair. I said, oh, thank you. I go, I don't want to be one of those old guys with uh, like really long hair that just looks like a douche. She goes, you're not old. I go, I'm pretty old. She goes, you don't look old. I go, oh, that's cool. Thank you. Then the lady who cuts the hair, who she's, one, she's probably like 65, long hair, and she talks really slow. She goes, you know, one of those people who just every word just comes out really slow. Like you're talking to a cartoon character that's like a snail. She's like, I think you should just maybe cut the sides and leave the top long. Okay. So I just, I, 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 it was weird. So I went in there and she just gave me the haircut she wanted. And it's like the, I, I think it's the fucking best haircut I've ever had in my life. Really? And that was at Supercuts? It was at Supercuts. I can't believe it. I went in there to just to have my head shaved. I mean, don't you think it looks pretty fucking amazing? Look at it. Yeah, I'm honestly impressed. I look like a normal person. Yeah, they, they they cleaned you up pretty good. Hold on, I can't hear you. What? They clean they cleaned you up pretty good. Yeah, it's not even like uneven. No, that's my biggest issue when I go to Supercuts is that they jack it up. I think I look that's like a. I think I look like a model. I look like one of those old men models. Yeah, you look great. You, look, you could be like a Louis Vuitton model or something. I had to beg for that. It's too late. You could have said that before I said I look like a model. You didn't say shit. You didn't say yeah, you shit. Actually, you actually look good shit. So sorry. But I was like, holy cow, I look she she made me this is like and then the whole time she kept telling me how handsome I look. And I was just like, maybe maybe that's what happened. She cast a spell on me. She I told me handsome. more times in that haircut that I look handsome than I've heard it in my entire life combined. That's weird. Look at look at Austin. I only, I, look at even Austin wants a piece. I only hear that from Gay guys or old black women? There's an old that's white the only woman. It's the only time anybody says that I'm handsome. It's kind it's of disappointing. Yeah, gay guys. I get a lot of handsome from gay guys. You know, the thing is, is they're just not afraid to say it. It's, it's that they're free. Can you yeah, guys hear me? Hi. Yes. I cannot oh, hear you shit. guys. Cody's really handsome. That sucks. That's going to fuck up. Yeah. Everything's relative. Look at his jaw. Okay, look at that thing. I can hear you now. Uh oh. Did we have well, an echo I... from Cody? No, it's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, getting a good haircut. And you know what's crazy? She was in there. I was like, how long have you been cutting hair? And she's like, I don't know. She's, I forget what she said, since 1979 or something. I was seven then. What? And I said, and I said, she goes, I really love my job. She goes, I like making people feel good. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Kind of like Cody. And then she said, um, uh, a guy came in to get his haircut. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go pick my daughter up from somewhere from work and I don't have any more time for haircuts today. And then when he walked out, she said, Oh, I feel so bad. He really needed a haircut. I was like, what is going on? I, I'm like, had the angel of haircuts cut my hair yesterday. Had a super cut. Every time I've been there, it's just been douchebags. Her name is Lola and she's at the supercuts in uh Capitola. Anyway, Cody, what's up? Not much, man. Nice haircut. Yeah. <laughs> with this. Oh, this guy, this guy's a podcasting genius just coming in. Unbelievable. Hey, is that your is it are you at the gym? Yes. What room yes. is that? This is my office. Oh, that's nice. Do the staff, yeah, do the staff have access to that? Yeah. Yeah, we do our staff meetings in here. Oh, that's cool. So if you oh, oh, that's really cool. And uh, and and then you got a coffee maker in there, Absolutely. and a microwave. The essentials. Yep, there's a fridge too. Uh, Cody is not up for supercuts talk. Maybe I, let let's um let's uh I'm gonna say. Can we start a poll, Caleb? And we'll check it at the end of the show. And we'll ask the the poll is: Does Cody get haircuts or does he cut his own hair? And we'll ask Cody for the answer at the end, and you can um and you can vote. So yeah, he also has a uh, a nice large mic. Was well, very observant of you. And this morning we were shot out of the cannon. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> oh, Cody, thanks for coming on. This has been uh, yeah. one of my um, favorite and easiest and most fulfilling kind of things I've tackled is doing these kind of affiliate shows where I'm trying once a week to interview an affiliate. And I'm trying to do affiliates that I've never heard of before because I feel like there's like these 20 or 30 affiliates that always get like all the attention sure. to, to no fault of their own. But they're the guys for some reason that, you know, you always see on the site or that they're always being interviewed or always get the meetings with the CEO. So, yeah, man, absolutely. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, you're in. Where is your gym? It's uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And is that is Charlotte a coastal town? No, no, we're about three hours from the coast. Okay. And what's the name of your gym? CrossFit Mountain Island. Mountain Island. Mountain Island, yeah. It's misleading. Sevon, don't you do your research? Why didn't you know all that before? Hey, you jackasses, I'm asking so you can know. I don't hear any dumb shit in the comments. Work out, get fit, be happy. Um, you are how old are you? Twenty nine. Man, you're doing it, and and you're married and have a baby in the um oven. That's it, man. Well, my wife does, but yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Important distinction. Well, congratulations. That's all pretty awesome. I stumbled upon um, the Instagram account, uh, Conservative Hippie. Oh yeah, That's and nice. yeah, I'm so I'm so uh, I, 
I don't normally use this word because I don't mean it in any um, condescending way, the way Dave used to use it to me. I'm so proud of your wife. I'm so yeah, freaking proud of your wife. She's been I, stoked to hear that. Yeah, I went through her Instagram account and she is the best version of herself. She is like, God, and congratulations. She seems so beautiful and so down to earth and like someone who really wants to work on herself. And I was just like, holy crap, this he scored. What a yeah, cool dude. chick. Yeah. yeah. I'm out of my league for sure. She is, she is so cool. Brave as shit. Yeah, dude, you're not kidding. Yeah, she's the bravest person I know. Does she, and she works at the gym too. Yeah, we both run it together. There's a ton to unpack with Cody um, because uh, he's got t- tons of wisdom and advice and knowledge and know-how and experience on running a CrossFit gym. And yet also he himself has been on a remarkable journey from being a young man to uh, k- kind of when he described himself as a kid reminded me of me. Um, and we'll get into that. Didn't play any sports, chunky. And just CrossFit was kind of like the first thing that kind of late in life, well, most people maybe were turning in their sporting mindset. He found something that, oh, maybe I, I, maybe I can be an athlete. Maybe I can do something competitive. And so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool journey. And then on top of that, there's a, a constant theme in all of his posts and presentations that he really wants to help people that that's like his calling. He likes to work with people, likes to make them happy, likes to introduce them to things to make their life better. Fair assessment? Fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. Okay. you make me blush. Oh, good. That's good. That's my job. Um, and, uh, by the way, uh, K- uh, Caleb was eating. That's why his jaw's moving like that. He has not got addicted to meth. Well, <laughs> well not be too sure. <laughs> Uh, Cody, um, uh, let, let's go back to the beginning. Are you, you're born and raised in North Carolina? Uh, South Carolina. So where I live in Charlotte's on the border of the States, North and South Carolina. So I grew up in a town called Indian land, South Carolina. Um, it's just South of like Ballantyne, uh, which is a, like a kind of affluent part of Charlotte. Um, so I grew up in South Carolina for the most part and then spent most of my time between either North or South Carolina. All my family's in South Carolina, but then I was the first one to move in North Carolina uh, when I bought my first house six years ago. Oh, then, congrats. Holy shit. Congrats. Uh, no accent. Carolina. I'm sorry? No accent. Yeah, no, man. I've got – um, I don't have the Southern drawl. My dad's got it, and most of my family does, but I don't know what it is. I didn't get it. You didn't try to not have it. It just, you just didn't get it. No, it wasn't intentional. Even from a kid, like I, I've always had like a really more of a Northern like language. Right? I talk pretty fast. So coaching's helped me kind of dial that back a little bit. But even as a kid, my grandpa would tell me to slow down <laughs> um, being, you know, in South Carolina, but yeah, no, no Southern drill, but it, it wasn't intentional. And, um, and you grew up just, uh, both your, you grew up with both your parents, siblings. Yeah, I've got um, one brother. He's 21. He'll be 22 in a couple months. Um, and it was just the two of us and my parents. Yeah. And uh, and there was the the there was that photo of you. You you weren't just chunky. You were a fat kid. I was a fat kid. Yeah. Yeah. You you weighed. Uh, I don't know when it was, but I saw somewhere you weighed up to 260 pounds. Yeah, I remember that was kind of a pivotal moment in my life. Um, I remember stepping on the scale at the doctor's office. It was late in the day. It was around dusk at a medical plaza in Fort Mill. And I stepped on the scale and the woman kept tapping the 
the scale over, tapping it over, tapping it over. I was probably 16, maybe 17 at the time. And it went past 250 and I was at first. I was like, holy shit. And she kept tapping it, kept tapping it. And I think it was up to two, 258. God, that's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Like, yeah, so on the left, that was me on a dock at my grandma's house. And believe it or not, there's a girl on both sides of me holding my hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Girls, yeah, I know, but they were they were just friends. <laughs> charity picture? Yeah, yeah, charity picture. Um, how how does that happen? How do you how do you how do you get to um 16 years old? What's the <laughs> lifestyle? that um you live from being born to 16 yeah, like 258 260 yeah like like t- tell me t- typical days for you growing up like watching cartoons and eating boxes of ritz crackers or dude yeah i mean pretty much man like it was um it was a lot of i mean it was like most people that are in that position it's, it's at that age is ignorance you know so i remember as long as i can go back you know having friends that were skinny thin they weren't overweight but we did the same things like i have got a, i had this friend aj We'd sit in this, um, his parents had a little warehouse by their house and they, they owned a printing company. So we'd sit in their offices and play RuneScape and video games all night and drink Mountain Dew for 12 hours straight, you know? Yeah. Um, and just eat whatever we wanted to. And he was, he was thin and I was the fat kid. And I, that never really made sense to me. But to answer your original question, yeah, I mean, most of my time, if I wasn't in school, um, I was playing, you know, Call of Duty 4, playing video games, watching TV, watching movies, just eating ramen noodles. Uh, my parents had this like little island in the kitchen that had a bunch of um, just snacks and treats on it, like grab and go type stuff. And I was just addicted to food, you know, addicted to feeling good. And uh, Call of Duty? what's that? Did you get the new Call of Duty? I don't man. Cause <laughs> I've got to control my environment or I'll get, I'll get re-addicted <laughs> pretty fast. <laughs> Is it any good? I haven't tried it. I've been stuck outside of the U S. Hey, you can't play that there, Caleb, from there? Uh, the internet keeps cutting out every time we try to download it. Oh. Like hey, brother. Uh, is, is your brother in the military? Cody? Mine? No. no uh, so that, that sounds like big brother. They're not letting him play. Oh, oh, big brother. Okay. Did that island, did you drink Capri Suns and box yeah. juices and Keebler Elves crackers and... Um, lots of came out of box. I probably ate or drank it. Yeah, I mean, sweet tea. I mean, I remember my looking back. So in the south, sweet tea is a big thing, right? I remember watching um, my parents. They'd make a gallon of tea once every day and a half, and because we drink it, and I mean, I would watch my mom put cups of sugar, cups of sugar and sweet tea, like probably two, three cups at a time, just for one gallon. And I mean, we could go through one of those in a day. Easily. Was there? Was there any talk about healthy eating in your house growing up? Um, yeah, we'd go through like uh, we'd go through seasons of it where it would be like everyone else. Like we'd make a good effort, and then um, like I remember doing the South Beach diet with a mom for 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 a while. Like I remember eating peanut butter before bed as like a healthy snack, um, and then I mean it was it wasn't that my parents were like not making an effort to be healthy. My mom's a nurse, you know, she works in the hospital. Um, my parents aren't like obese or sick or anything. They're just, it was just kind of like a cultural thing, I guess. So, right. and it was also like not really knowing what to do. I mean, that, I think there's just a lot of ignorance around what is healthy eating. So like we'd have, 
you know, some nights would be pork chops and vegetables and the other nights would be lasagna and pizza. I mean, it's just the standard American diet, you know, but it, the, the thing that comes to mind is the, the deviation from normal was a healthy meal. And that was the problem it was like, we'd have a meat and a vegetable, but that was a deviation from normal where normal was just random. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think my mom was trying to keep us really healthy, but, but like you said, no one, no one in a, in a lot of ways, they just believe what the TV set said, right? Well, so, well, yeah, well, healthy, you know, seven to 14 servings of grains a day, right? Non-fat milk, um, low-fat yeah. Keebler cookies, yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, uh, um, healthy whole grain Ritz crackers. I mean, you know what I mean? Just all the shit yeah. that was written on there. Um, cereal for breakfast, for sure. Yeah, tons of cereal for breakfast. Tons of my house always had orange juice in it, always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fresh and, nat fresh and natural. Yeah, I think that was the only thing that my dad actually poured, poured an actual serving size up for us was orange juice. I always get so mad that he didn't fill it like all the way to the top <laughs> of the glass. He'd fill like half a glass. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. only eight ounces. Yeah, right. Everything else I, was like a full bowl of cereal. And all my kids' glasses are four ounce glasses. Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah. Just for you, just get a four ounce glass and you just and you just repour. But you know, I don't give my kids that. My kids have never had juice. Yeah. No that's, juice, no. So, in hindsight, it's even. It's even. Um, when I think about it, I'm sure I had it too. We we weren't allowed to have soda in the house, but can, I can't even imagine giving caffeine to kids now in my current mindset. But back then, like if you were drinking sweet tea and Mountain Dew, and I've seen those videos where they show um, moms putting Mountain Dew in babies' bottles. Oh wow, I haven't seen that. Yeah, hmm. have you ever heard of the thing called Mountain Dew mouth? No. Oh man. Oh man. It's basically they give kids Mountain Dew just from a young age, like from when they're babies. And then by the time they're like, you know, 10 years old, their whole entire fucking gum line and teeth line is just completely rotted out. Jeez. Another reference for that, uh, for that word is Appalachia. So that's an <laughs> indicator of what goes on over there. And yeah. you're, and you're right. It's because they don't know. Yeah. It's, be, it's because yeah. they don't know. It's wow. sad, man. It's just like walking around Walmart makes me sad. Very right. So, so you're 16 and you get to the, and are you playing any sports at this time? Are you doing any activity? Are you, do you, do you so avoid like, PE class as a kid? Um, man, we could spend the whole show like all my childhood in school. You know, it's just crazy shit. No, I mean, I wasn't avoiding, I didn't play sports. So I played baseball for a few years, like coaches picks. I was like probably the longest sport I played as an adolescent, but that was before high school. A lot of my weight came on, like, I would probably say, if I had to, roughly, like, 6th grade to maybe 11th grade. Um, so, like, there was a span there where I got out of baseball. I didn't play any sports. I skateboarded. That was the extent of my activity was skateboarding. And I skateboarded for six or seven years. Um, but as active as that is, you're still riding on a, on, a, on a piece of wood, you know. So, there's not a lot of exercise happening there. And with kids, that culture too is kind of like, hey, let's skate to Seven Eleven, get a bag of Doritos and a Mountain Dew, right? Oh, for sure. Arizona sweet teas. Um, going to Taco Bell, trying to win as much free shit as we can off those little quarter spinny things, you know, and then go skate for four to six hours on the weekends. I did Taco Bell too. That's fascinating. That you did Taco Bell. I would get like the twelve pack of soft tacos and eat them all to myself. 
that's that's impressive. Yeah, did you used to do that? Uh, I went more for like crunch like crunch wraps. I didn't like the soft tacos at Taco Bell. So not the ground beef and the taco. It just it didn't sit right. Like the crunchiness made me ignore what the beef probably was. I think twelve tacos and twelve packets of hot sauce. Oh my god! Yeah, hot sauce. You're just shitting fire. I didn't even care. I was I was a trash compactor. And even though I was the smallest kid amongst my friends, I would always eat the most. And I would always tell them, like, if they ordered one omelet, I would order two. <laughs> Some principle. I, I just, they were amused by how much I could eat. And I was, if I could get attention doing that, I probably just did it, would be my thought in hindsight. Hmm. Yeah. In the Midwest, we have Taco John's and they sell a thing called a, was it a 12 pack and a pound? So it's 12 like hard shell tacos and then a pound of potato olays, which is basically like hash browns, like mini hash browns seasoned. And so that was like our thing with the football team is like, Oh, in your preseason, you got to fuel up. So you go get a 12 pack and a pound in between your two a days and, and dip them into high fructose corn syrup. That's called ketchup. Yeah. Sour cream and all that shit. The essentials. Did any yeah. of the kids make fun? Did you ever start kids make fun of you or start pointing out to you that you were heavy? Like, did, was it, did people start talking about your weight, your friends? Yeah, they were, they were really good at it. <laughs> they were professionals. <laughs> what would they say? Yeah. Oh man. Um, you know, there's, there's a few very vivid memories that stick out. I remember this one time I was probably 11 or 12, maybe. I had like just gotten a cell phone. I remember this kid calling me. He, it was a kid and a friend of mine. Well, friends a strong word in retrospect, but they called me like t- probably two or three a.m. and they prank called me to tell me how fat I was. So they woke me up to tell me how fat I was. Yeah. So that happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I'll never forget that. Um, but just like kids would, you know, they they call me the fat kid. They'd walk up and like try to scoop my man boobs, you know, that, that was a thing for a long time. So then I wore hoodies and walked with like this really kyphotic forward position. So the kids couldn't see my man boobs. I remember that. That was a big part of high school. Um, you know, getting bullied in the bus, riding home. It was interesting, man. It, it, it was like my friends liked me cause I was a, I was a good person, but all these kids that didn't know me, they would just assume that I was, I don't know, lacking value. How, how did you, how did you take it? Like in, in the moment, how did you take it? Would you take it like a champ or would you, would you like no, hide the I fact you were offended or? No, I wasn't the kid that would like laugh along. I mean, I would just introvert and like ignore it and walk away, you know, or just avoid eye contact. Just take I'll that just shit say. and push it down. I'll deal with that in my thirties. <laughs> yeah. Lock it away. Exactly. Um, did you, at that point, did you have any aspirations as that starts pouring in? Do you catch yourself doing weird shit in your room at night? Like, like before you go to bed, do a fucking hundred sit-ups or start trying to do push-ups or avoid situa- avoid situations of ever taking your shirt off. If you went to a pool party, like how did they get yeah. that picture of you right there with your shirt off? How did you get, what were you doing with your shirt off? Shouldn't you have been so embarrassed at that age? Like, like I, me, was, I, yeah, I swam you know, with a shirt on. Most of the time I would avoid situations with taking my shirt off. Like I remember spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes in the mornings before school trying to find clothes that I wasn't embarrassed to wear. Um, I would avoid going to pool parties or taking my shirt off at the beach. I would, I just avoid all situations that 
I may have to be you know, shirtless. Um, and then I didn't really lean into the exercise thing. Like I, I wasn't like doing pushups for a bed. Like my, I, I would make efforts, you know, like my mom was really cool and she got me this, um, like it was one of those flat benches that's upright on this like steel contraption that you could like hang on and do dips and leg lifts on. Like I had that in my bedroom for a while, but that was like a wasted effort. It was like someone buying a treadmill and then using it for a coat rack, you know, it was good intention, but no follow through. Um, but it goes back to ignorance. Like, I don't know what I should be doing with this freaking machine in my bedroom, you know? Right. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do enough leg lifts to out, to out perform the, uh, or to, to overcome all of the talk, talk crash about. In my diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had one of those essentially. Um, I oh, no shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's really cool that she bought you that. It was, dude. Yeah. So she was really, really supportive and she always has been. Um, and I, in retrospect, I know she really wanted to help me. I just like most people, I just don't think she knew how, you know? Right. Like m- most parents don't know how to help their kids not be fat. You know, it's interesting you say that. I never thought about that. My mom knew that I was really insecure about my weight, or I think she did, but she was so busy working. But in hindsight, maybe she should have like insisted, she should have like insisted that like I join a track team or some shit, like just push me through some hardship, let me get made fun of, and then make me so I could get to the other side. I mean, there's some value to kids bullying me. I mean, it worked out. Right. And like in retrospect, I'm glad they did. It sucked back then, but I mean, if they hadn't, I would have just gone through life thinking that I was it was okay. Right, it would have been way worse. Right, way worse. Way worse. Way worse. I don't know if you saw the episode we did with the affiliate owner last week named Matt Schindeldecker. Yeah, but his, yeah, he's doing the program with the um, at risk youth. Yeah. And his mom got on a school bus and killed the bus driver right in yeah. front of him. Yeah, he was the last one on the bus, right? He changed yeah. Schools. And if that wouldn't have happened, a, a horrible incident, but if that wouldn't have happened 28 years later, he wouldn't have the experience. Like she didn't, that didn't happen in vain because now he uses that experience to help all of these kids. Yeah. Well, we're all responsible for what we do with our life experience, right? Um, was there a rock bottom? Um for you with your weight was there a moment in just your whole identity that like did you remember the moment that you're like okay i'm gonna take control of this shit the rock bottom that i can point to was that time in the doctor's office and it's interesting because the reason i was in that situation to begin with is because we were moving my family and i we were moving down to um garden city which is just south of myrtle beach south carolina so i actually graduated high school a year early and i was going down there to begin prerequisite classes for nursing um so i was getting some just like like a basically a checkup done before we left with our um family medicine doctor and that was my rock bottom but it worked out because i had this gap this summer where i was moving somewhere that i i'd never been before i didn't know anybody Um, and that was a catalyst for me that led to me just starting to learn about, okay, how do I control this? Like, how do I lose this weight? What do I do? Um, because I was going somewhere that no one had this preconceived notion that I was the fat kid. So that was a chance to start over. So you walk out of that office and, 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 and what, what was the plan? What was your uh, next step? The pl- There was a lot of like shame and like 
just frustration because I didn't know what to do. Uh, the first thing I did was I just started running, man. Like I just, I knew that the kids that at school that ran, they weren't fat. So I'd start there. Uh, I think I did that. And I picked up a teen nation magazine and I asked my mom to help me learn how to cook. So like my mom taught me how to broil chicken breast, which tastes like shit. She taught me how to cook some vegetables in the oven. And then I had a friend of mine, uh, Robert Wendover in high school. He'd actually lost about 80 to hundred pounds over the course of a year um, from like his junior to senior year. And I remember asking him like, dude, what did you do? How did you do this? And one of the things he said was that he stopped drinking soda and started drinking diet Lipton green tea. Uh So I think I bought like four 24 packs of that, put it in my bedroom Uh and (laughs) like running every day, started, um, like baking and broiling chicken and vegetables. And I just stopped eating, eating trash, stopped eating fast food, um, stopped drinking soda, stopped drinking sweet tea, started drinking, um, diet lipping green tea like it was a cure for cancer and then i ran every day and i started off just you know i'd run out off the front porch and i would try to get to the end of the street um, running towards the beach which was like maybe a mile away and then every night you know i eventually found a loop that was about three miles and every night i would just set another target like, okay tonight i'm gonna run to the end of the road all right tomorrow i'm gonna run to this next mailbox okay now i'm gonna get to the light post and then after a couple months you know, I was getting that runner's high and then I was, I was getting daily positive reinforcing because I was making it further. And then eventually I, I ran the whole three miles loop without stopping. And that was like a huge, that was a huge deal. Um, were you ever embarrassed about um, going running? I can remember even when I first found yeah. CrossFit, I wanted to start running and I lived in Berkeley at the time. And I was just embarrassed that like, I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know how to run. Like what, what are people going to think? But I would just have to, bl- I would have to block that out and just go out running anyway. But for so some reason, it, oh, you, is that why you did that? You ran at night so no one would I see you? I had no idea, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I always thought and, I was going to get lost, and I thought somebody would know I was going to get getting lost while I was running, so then I just wouldn't. That was like the story. I <laughs> Everybody knows I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> so that could have so, happened. So um, had you ever run before in your life? Like like the first time, the first day you run, ran, it must have been like you ran 100 yards and you were exhausted. A dog chased me once in my friend's house. That was probably it. <laughs> but, yeah, but, never intentionally. Yeah. I was always like, all right, based off practice, you got to run suicide sprints. I'd never gone out for a run of my own volition. Wow, crazy. And did you ever run with anybody? Not that I remember, no. Not during that period, no. And then... Um, headphones and I was just listening to music and... And then what happened next? What was the next evolution in that? Did you start seeing weight loss as you did that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I started seeing weight loss, man. It was that, that was the that was the bit most powerful thing was it started working. You know, like after I saw momentum and I saw progress, it was just reinforcement to keep cooking my own food. You know, stop eating. That was the hardest part. Is like we still had the same food in the house. You know, my parents still had the same habits of just shopping for groceries. I just asked them to also buy me some chicken breast and vegetables. And I just had to choose to eat that instead. But once you start seeing like, once you go from being so overweight and you start to see your body changing and clothes, you're fitting better and people are giving you attention and like seeing it, that becomes more addicting than the food. So the next evolution was I, so it's interesting. My guidance counselor had actually screwed up and I was missing one math credit. And this was actually like a, a great thing that ended up happening. So I had to go back to high school down in Myrtle beach 
um, for my senior year and get that credit. But the credit couldn't be, I, I couldn't take that class to my second semester. Um, so I ended up just taking a bunch of bullshit classes like in high school to finish my senior year. And I signed up for weightlifting and um, oh, wow. weight training. So I got exposed to like strength training for the first time in my life after I'd lost a lot of the weight. Um, and I was essentially just working out with football players was what it came down to because they, they all took that class, you know, and the wrestlers. So then I got into wrestling. I took wrestling for a semester or I took wrestling for a season. Um, I played football that season, met some guys, um, got exposed to weight training and strength training just in like a high school weight room. Um, started lifting weights and it's interesting. So when you're that fat for that long, you inherently, your body inherently has more skeletal muscle mass to carry that weight around. Right. So I lost a lot of the fat and I was a lot stronger than I would have expected. I would have been not having lift weights before. So I was, I wasn't bad at, I wasn't weak. Um, and just seeing the progress of losing weight, feeling better, and then seeing the, the progress of getting stronger. Um, I just got hooked. Um, so then after high school, I graduated, you know, my senior year, and then I signed up for a gym membership down the street and I just kept lifting weights and, um, like kind of conventional, like bodybuilding splits, like I'd go in and, you know, bench press, do machines, you know, all, all that stuff, the curls and everything. Um, but I was, I mean, I would go for two or three hours a day. What was that like? If you didn't play any sports and then you sign up for wrestling and football, those are fucking hard practices. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. And how but, did the other boys treat you? Well, they didn't know me. So they didn't have this preconceived notion that I was like, you know, this fat kid. So, I mean, I was actually, it was the best year of high school of my life of the, of the years leading up to it. You know, I mean, it was, and that was your senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So it was cool. And I mean, it was, it's like that, that decision, well, how all that happened was interesting because like that affected the next three years of my life, but I essentially got exposed to this social circle in high school of quote unquote, like the popular kids and the cool kids and the jocks and the you know the kids that are into sports and the party kids. And I got, I mean, I, I'd never experienced that before leading up. And it was like this just sudden social acceptance that I'd never experienced in that way. And I just leaned into it hard. You know, I got, I went to, you know, I mean, I just, I partied a ton. I went out to all these house parties and talked to girls and had all these athletic friends and these cool friends. And it was just, it was, it was the exact opposite experience of my life leading up to that point, which was really interesting. Um, but the kids in the team, I mean, they, you know, they accepted me. I, I just tried, I tried hard and I wasn't the best. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like an, an athletic, um, you know, anomaly. I just, I just went to practice and made friends, but it was great because I mean, the alternative would have been, I would have met no one if I hadn't gone to school. And you kind of, and you, pro- it probably is kind of like how CrossFit was for me. You went in there. How tall are you? Six foot one. Oh, okay. So you're tall. So 260 is not as, it would be crazy if you were like five, eight. Yes. That would have been a different, a different. Yeah. Person. So, so um, you, at this point, you're also finding yourself too, right? You're like, oh my God, like I, I, I can play football. Oh, I can, I can wrestle. I'm, you, you, confidence is just freaking skyrocketing i'm guessing you went there terrified like i wouldn't want to switch high schools my senior year that sounds terrifying yeah yeah no it wasn't it wasn't exciting you know i didn't know anybody and i was the new kid but what are you gonna do you know on on the bright side i wasn't fat anymore so that helped 
Yeah, that's crazy. What did you get down to? Do you know? Yeah, my lowest was 181. Wow. Hey, is that what you wrestled? 185? Yeah, yeah. And um, how all that weight that you had put on, that 80 pounds you had lost, did it affect your body permanently? That's a lot of weight to put on. Like to this day, do you have extra skin or do you be like, yep, that's oh, – that's? It's surprising. Maybe a little bit, but not very much. Not as much as you would think. Yeah. Because I do that show with Andrew uh, Hiller, and mm-hmm. I don't see it on his body, but he he used to be fat, he said. And yeah. he'll show me – like he'll pull his skin together, and he'll be like, look, this is from when I was so much fucking overweight. But you can't yeah. see it on him if you're just standing next to him. Yeah. But he can feel it to his touch and he can like he can he can gather it. Right. Yeah. I mean I can do that too. Like there's definitely some fat, like there's like skin, like there's still skin left over. It's not just like a washboard, you know, but it's not as much as I you would think with someone losing, you know, 70, 80, 90 pounds. Yeah, but it's also that, I mean, it, it was a long process. Like that weight loss took me over a year. So I'm not sure if that impacts like your body composition as opposed to someone that maybe has like a, a surgery. Right. Or, or someone who's older. The thing is, is obviously the younger you can catch it, the better. But I always think about that when I see, I see kids who are so heavy and I'm like, fuck, they, it's like, it's like you got a car and you're going to have it for 20 years. But in the first week you crash it so bad that you can't be fixed and you got to drive it around for the next 19 years. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a kid like that yesterday. She was probably, I was at the zoo, my wife, I took her for her one year anniversary and um, she was probably 11, and she she was every bit of 240. Man. It's just, it sucks to see it, dude. It sucks yeah, it breaks, breaks my heart. And she, and she should be an 80-pound girl. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah, when, when I see the kids who they put on so much weight that it's like se- severely affected their locomotion. Like they walk – their yeah, every man. way they move, the way they move their arms, the way they walk, everything has been altered. I've had clients come in like that, dude, like kids that are nine, 10 years old. And like, they move, like they are fresh out of a retirement home. Like they're on the back end of life. That's they, they, their, their proprioception, their coordination, their mobility, their like self-awareness, their kinesthetic awareness. It's just, doesn't exist. It's like for the past six years, they've just sat and done nothing with their body and they can't use it. You know, you have to like reteach them. And it's like, you're 11. Yeah. Why can't you understand this concept? You know, it's just, it's crazy to see. It's sad so, to see. so then um, do you go to nursing school when you finish your senior year? I did. Yeah. Well, I started my, I started nursing school. So I, and that's, that kind of segues the, the new social life thing. Cause I got into nursing school and then I was doing the prereqs for nursing school and um, I was going to coastal Carolina, um, which is a, it's a party school and I can confirm it's a party school. Um, so I majored in that essentially, you know, I had a nursing major, but I was partying a lot and, you know, I wasn't taking school seriously because I had this whole new life experience of just all this social acceptance that I'd wanted for the past, you know, three, four or five years of my life that I'd never gotten. Um, looking back now, I think that was part of the experience. So um, I did, yeah, I did prereqs for a couple of years. Like I was doing my prereqs for a school and then I, you know, I was flunking out. I wasn't doing great at all in school. And then I, Were you I training? Got out. Yeah. Like with like exercising. Yes. Yeah. gym. Yeah. I mean, if I left my house or my apartment, it was to go to class sometimes to go to a party or to go to the gym. Okay. Like, that was it. Me those too. Are, those are only, that's all I did. Um, so yeah, I kept lifting weights, you know, a couple hours a day, every day. 
and um, started going to school for nursing. I mean, I, I, I always had a an interest in like anatomy and physiology. So even like in junior year, sophomore year of high school, I was taking A&P classes, like college level A&P classes and science classes. And I had a teacher that really helped me um, grow in that, that study. Um, but, you know, there, after I got, I started doing the labs and the idea of being in a hospital and working in medicine just did not appeal to me at all. It was just gross. Um, but, but, but like you said earlier, I've always had an inclination to help people. Like that's always been on my heart. I'm, I'm pretty empathetic, but yeah, there was just no interest in being in the hospital once I got into the, uh, the major. And uh, with that, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. I, I, it seems like it would. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. it's what sucks. It shouldn't, you know, but like the, at the end of the day, like as medical professionals you guys' responsibility is to essentially help people manage their sickness when it's really just it should be on them like it's just a lack of exactly. responsibility makes it but it's problem. always yeah and it's your problem because you can't yeah. fix it with something that is immediate yeah, like yeah it's it's it's, like, it's you have people coming in yeah you have people Good. coming in with injuries that they've had for two years long or like two years and they're like, oh, well, I've tried physical therapy for a month. And I'm like, okay, what have you done? Anything else? Like you haven't tried, obviously. Like you're going to physical therapy once a week for a month. That's four sessions, if that, and you're not, you're so obviously far. not going to see any benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Your crazy. definition of trying is skewed. 100%. Sucks. Caleb, is, is that, what, did you go to RN school? Uh, no, I got my degree in um, athletic training, so sports medicine. Uh, so I got to work with a bunch of athletes when I was in college. And then outside of college, obviously, I started doing the same thing. Um, but it's it's kind of similar, kind of not. We're not super in a clinical setting. We get to go out on the fields and see and like watch the sports and get a lot of acute injuries and stuff. But uh, but now my job now, I'm sitting in a clinic all the time where I'm working inpatient. Uh, like you're seeing people monthly for the same issue and you're like, why the hell are you not getting better? And like, you really just wish you could follow them around 24 hours a day and be like, stop that. Stop yeah, that. Slap that <laughs> so it's, it's not crazy. stuff. They, it's not only stuff that they need to do. There's a ton of shit they need to stop doing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, JR Howell, there's nothing like helping someone who wants to be helped. This is rarely seen in an inpa- inpatient setting. Uh, JR is a nurse. I think his wife might be a nurse also. He's a retired nurse. Male nurses for the win. So, so you, um, so, so you go to college, but, but really it's, it's a place to work out and meet girls. Yeah. And, um, it involves a lot of alcohol and loud music and house parties. And then, and then what, and then what happened, but, but you don't lose your, um, love for fitness that you that you finally found your senior year being around some kids who finally didn't didn't harass you didn't didn't fuck with you although we acknowledge the importance of that and then and you get into sports and you're starting to find yourself and build confidence and then what happens after that what's the next is is that when crossfit came into your life um um, very close yeah so i ended up moving back to charlotte um once i stopped going to coastal i got out of school 
I was trying to just reassess my life and kind of reevaluate my priorities and what I was going to do. You actually graduated? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, yeah. Neither uh, did I. Good yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a degree. No. Um, but so I, I, I stopped. How many years? How many years? Did I go to college? Yeah. Two. Oh, okay. Two I put and in, half. I put in seven of undergrad. Nice. East. Okay, go on. Is that when you're when you're homeless? Like you chose to be homeless for a while? No, that was that homeless came oh. after that. That's when your parents stopped paying for your college. Seven years of undergrad. They're like, Dude, get, they're the, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. My mom. That's the reason should have gone to school then. Seven years. <laughs> Dude, I would have. Dude, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I had a very similar vi- those were I did exactly what I only went to class to look at girls. Okay. Uh, so so you, so then what happened? So I um, got out of, I stopped going to college and then uh, I worked for a little bit and then I thought I'd go into the military. You know, um, I had some friends that were in the Marines, so I had an interest in the lifestyle they were talking about and telling me about, you know, and the real reason was it was, I, I still wanted to get into stay in medicine, but the idea of a hospital setting wasn't appealing and the appeal of the military with, you know, the fitness requirements and the activity level was it was you know attractive to me so i thought i'd go into the the marines um i tried to go to the marines but then i I already had tattoos at the time and during this part of the military i don't know organization they they wouldn't allow me in the marines with the tattoos i had um, because of the sizes of my tattoos so then i went to the navy and i looked into being a corpsman in the navy so i could still go out with marines Um, and I, i got pretty far into the process of being in the military. Um, so I took, I think it was the ASVAB. Is that the right one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I took that and I was talking to a recruiter about getting a ship date and oh, you'll, 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 you'll like this one <laughs> back when I was in college and working out all the time. And then the interim between I used to smoke cigarettes. Um, so I smoked like a pack of Marlboro reds a day and that didn't lend itself to the best conditioning. So I got into CrossFit to get my conditioning up for basic training in the military. That's how I found CrossFit. And uh, I was like, I was like twenty years old. Uh, g- going back a second, do you remember the first cigarette you ever smoked? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I was um, with this kid Zach, and we were in between house parties. I was probably eighteen or nineteen. And we were in Myrtle Beach near we were at his apartment near Broadway at the beach. Yeah. Did you throw did it make you throw up? No. The first but I time I, a lot. I never held any smoke before. Yeah, I, I was in the I, I had been I was partying with some friends and then this girl said, Hey, you wanna um, smoke a cigarette? I was probably 18, 19, 20. I was probably twenty. And I said, sure. And we climbed into the back of this pickup truck, just random pickup truck in in Santa Barbara. And, um, you know, people walking around everywhere partying and we're back there and we, and she hands me a Marlboro and I smoke it and I just fucking, puked. yeah, I started, spi- yeah, I was drunk as fuck. I started yeah, spinning that, and that puked all over the fucking place, but that didn't stop me. Dude, I, I got, the- <laughs> I kept smoking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I had no idea about the Marine Corps about this. Um, I just, well, I didn't get, I didn't get in the military. I, I don't talk about it cause I didn't, I didn't get in the military. I, I didn't actually follow through with that. That wasn't a part of my life. That was just part of a chapter of my life. And I was trying to find out what my future was. 
I'm just looking at what the the it says tattoo policy. You can have oh. tattoos anywhere on your chest, back, torso, upper arms, upper thighs, and groin. There are no restrictions as to the size shape. So they've changed this. That, yeah, that it just changed. got changed pretty recently. It it changes like depending on whether we need people or not. That's like one of the standards that we can just That's use helpful. arbitrarily for no reason to say like, <laughs> oh, we want it. Like it it depends on who the like. For us, it's the the chief master sergeant of the Air Force. Like, if she decides, like, hey, we want to, I, I believe that it would be better if our airmen or our Marines or our whatever had less tattoos or something, and they can just decide to like implement that yeah. rule. It happens all the fucking time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so I, now I, they're I, so I, desperate uh, for people, they'll take anyone. Exactly. Okay. They're even they're waving like. Um, I think they're waiving marijuana use and some ASVAB scores got reduced pretty significantly. So that instills confidence. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> Tell me about it. What did your parents say when you, when you said you were going to join the um, Marines? Were they, were they concerned? Yeah. Yeah. My parents were like my mom's uh, like most moms, right. She's protective and she's worried about me. So she wasn't excited, but she, there was still like some pride there. My dad was really proud of me. You know, he wanted to go in the Air Force, but he couldn't because of a um, an issue with his vision that he's had as a child. So he, he never, he could never get in. So they, they, had, they had a lot of pride and concern. You know, like I think most parents would, um, but they supported it. And so you, and so you pivot and you want to go. You're going to uh, want to become a Navy corpsman, and to get in shape for that, you find a CrossFit gym. How did that happen? Um, Who so told I you about to, CrossFit? I used to date this girl, Cassie. Her name was Cassie Coley. Um, she lived in Rock Hill. She was a few years older than I was. Um, I think when we were dating, I was like 19. She might have been 25 or 26. And she was doing CrossFit for a long for a while. And I I was the guy that made fun of CrossFit because I went to the gym and and benched and did curls and couldn't squat 135, you know. Um, so I would make fun of CrossFitters and say, oh, you know, you're gonna get hurt doing it. It's it's dangerous, it's stupid. Um, but I think she, she was over one day and she, she had me watch the CrossFit games. And I remember seeing Kristen clever back in like 2013 or 2012 and, and doing a CrossFit games event. And I was like, she, that, she's a badass. You couldn't argue that. Um, so I searched, you know, CrossFit gym near me. I found one that was like three miles away from my parents' house. Cause I was, you know, living at home at the time. Um, and I just thought I'd go by. So I, I dropped in one day. I walked in. I didn't drop into class, but I walked in one day, and I remember walking up to the the building. It was, it's a you know, it's your traditional crossing gym. It's in a warehouse back in a like a business park. Um, they've got garage doors rolled up. It's I think it's late in the day. It's kind of past dusk, so this the lights low. There's like you know lights inside, and they're the lights are like silhouetting this dude in a squat rack. This guy Ryan. He I remember him still. He was he was just yoked out of his mind. This guy was probably six feet, like 240, 235, but just, you could see every muscle on his body just popping out. He was doing something with a barbell and it was so intimidating. I was like, I don't know how to do any of that shit they're doing in there right now. I can't do any of that, you know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to bail. Um, so I walked up and walked in the gym and introduced myself to this guy named Eric. He was running the gym at the time. Um, and just told him, you know, Hey, I need to get in shape for the military. I think I'm going to go into, you know, go to the Navy and I need to get for boot camp. And they're like, all right, great. You know, our, uh, foundation class tomorrow at six. Why don't you come take that class and get go, th- go through foundations and you can, you know, then you can join. So that's what I did. 
And that was that. Had you ever even deadlifted in your life at that point? No. Yeah, I remember when I found CrossFit, I had never heard of a deadlift either. Mm -mm. Nope. Fucking nuts, right? Even back in like the gym, like in weight, weight, like weight class in high school, I mean, all we did was bench press. They had a lot of machines in there, and then we would do a little bit of back squatting, but you know, no, like probably quarter squats. With, right. You know, safety pads. Jeremy Eat World, Caleb and the truth to the more lib states reworking the PT test because soldiers have been complaining about it not being inclusive. <laughs> but of course. But of course. Uh and um and, and you were addicted from 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 when you went in there. You took the class and you were just addicted? Yeah. Yeah, look man, it was because I'd never been good at anything before like that in my life. And um I spent so much time weight training that I was, I was kind of strong, like strong enough. And I was young. So I was like 20 years old and, um, there was a competitive party. I didn't know was there. So when I had a chance to express that, um, and I was decent at it. Yeah. I got hooked. What you movement was there. your go-to from the beginning? What movement were you the most proud of? I was actually pretty good at deadlifting, believe it or not. I'm, I'm pretty tall. Like I'm, like I'm tall. I've got long levers, got pretty long, um, femurs so i mean i think within probably six months i was dealt in 405 wow okay yeah and you're like i can dig this for me it was pooling pulling like pull-ups yeah just pooling yeah like yeah just muscle-ups pull-ups i was like i sucked at everything i was the least athletic person you ever met in your life but i could but but i you're right i found something i was good there was such a vast variety of shit to do in there yeah I was like, well, at least I can, you know, I, I can't beat this girl in 20 of the um, fucking events, but in this one, I can, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and you love the community right away. Is that when you went in there, how did the people treat you? I see someone's Bailey's asking which gym, uh, it was CrossFit S3 in Indian land, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, man, I love the community. I got into it. And I mean, there were all these men and women in their, you know, early to mid thirties that immediately I just connected with and I made friends with right away. And, um, the head coach was great. You know, he took me under his wing. Um, and I made a lot of friends, you know, there were, there were a lot of people in, in that gym that I got close with pretty fast. And, um, you know, I was a 20 year old hanging out with the, the guys in their mid thirties with families and just trying to learn from them and hang out with them and just learn from their wisdom. Yeah. And, um, you know, are, are you a pretty standoffish guy? No, I don't think so. No. Um, are you pretty stoic? I've been told I'm stoic. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in when I when I comb through the internet looking um for stuff about you, you seem you're very you seem very stoic to me. Maybe standoffish was too strong. What does stoic mean to you? Um re reserved. In, in, in your in your um, you have thoughts that maybe you don't share as frequently as other people who just they have a thought and then they just share it. That's, that's probably accurate. And, but but even being that kind of person, you went in there and you felt welcome, like people yeah. just embraced you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that happens in all CrossFit gyms. If it doesn't, that CrossFit gym is probably not going to last. It, it, it was the opposite of high school. That's the, a great way to the opposite of your freshman sophomore year yeah absolutely yeah because they were adults i think and when did that um when did the 
um, I'm guessing that at that point, the desire to be, go to the Navy started slipping and the desire to be more affiliated with doing something with CrossFit. There was some sort of shift there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I, if I think back, like, I don't know that this was a conscious decision or thought, but I think I was probably looking just for a group to be a part of and be accepted by. Right. So like identity, you know, I mean, if I can go into the Marines and military, there's identity there, there's peers, there's a group to be part of something bigger than yourself. And as a, as a young man, I mean, I can't imagine I didn't want that, you know, so I must've been looking for something and I found it in CrossFit. So I remember the coaches at the CrossFit gym, there was a, a coach, Christine, the other guy, Eric, they seem like good people. Um, you know, I, I saw them working at the gym. They seemed like their lifestyle was great. You know, um, I was pretty good at CrossFit. People liked me. So I asked the coach if I get my level one and just learn to coach. Um, and that seemed like <clears throat> a more appropriate way for me to help people than working in a hospital personally. Right. Cause I'd, I'd gone through this journey of like losing a lot of weight at this time. And you know, I wasn't done, but I'd, I'd gotten pretty far. And I had friends and family asking like, Hey, what did you do? How did you lose this weight? They were looking for guidance. So I'd already experienced that level of leadership a little bit. Um, so it just seemed like a natural progression to, to look for it in CrossFit or to find it through CrossFit. Yeah. I didn't know I'd own a gym one day, but I just wanted to be a coach. I wanted to work out and I wanted to go to the CrossFit games. You did. You So you had aspirations for that also. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The competitive side of it was appealing. And uh, when you asked the coach if you could um, take the level one, did he, what did he say? And how did that play out? Uh, yeah, he said that um, I could take it. And if I got my level one and passed the test, I could take the onboarding classes and the on-ramp classes. And he would teach me to coach. Wow. Did he pay for your level one? No. I think no. they might have done half of it. But that was that was a while. That was like almost 10 years ago. Wow, that's fucking cool. And and what did you think of your level one? Did that take you to the next level in terms of your passion? Yeah, man. Yeah, it was it was life changing. You know, I mean, I, I still remember a lot about it. I mean, I remember the guy I sat beside was a guy in his mid thirties and he him and his partner were about to open a gym and he was the money. His partner was the coach, but he needed, needed to get his level one so he could they could have the affiliate in his name. I remember, you know, Sam and talked talking about that. Um I wish I remembered my trainers, but I didn't know, like I was six months into CrossFit. So I didn't understand the value of like the seminar staff at the time. But I remember getting my first strict muscle up because the coaches there, they talk, they talked me through that. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely set me on a path. Yeah, sure. that's crazy. That's where I got my first, uh, my first muscle up period. Um, that's all. Was, it, was that my level one? I couldn't even yeah. fucking believe it. And I remember that's it was because of the seminar staff. I yeah. think it maybe was like Greg Amundsen. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you get it like at the end of the second day in front of everybody? They like, uh, not in front of every, well, back then it was different because there would be like 40, 40 or 60 people taking, and then there would be like 40 trainers there because people who'd already taken their level one could come back and they wouldn't be like the official trainers. There were still like only like four or five official trainers, but then they would be like advisors. But he just yelled at me. I think maybe he said to me, quit being a pussy or something. I think that was, I think that was the cue I got. It's a strong verbal cue. Uh, like, but I didn't mind. They let me try like four or five times to get a restricting muscle up and I didn't get it. It was like very demoralizing. It's very I sad. bet. Yeah. I mean, it can go one of two ways. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah. It was, a, it was a cool moment. So you, 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 um, you finish the level one, you come back and, and you, do you just dive a full head into coaching at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, as much as I could. So I, I was still working at Ruby Tuesdays at the time as a server. I mean, I was a server for a while, even from Myrtle Beach up into Charlotte um, before I got a coaching. server's a waiter. That's a waiter. Yeah. Wow. A stoic waiter. Would you be charming to your guests and work the tips? Hi, how are you doing? Good. Nice to see you guys. Oh, is this the seats you normally sit in? Come on, let me get, I can, we got a nicer seat here by the window that you did that. Yeah. You, you learn to wear hats, man. You have to. Oh, wow. Okay. I just can't see you doing that. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. I always wanted to be a server and kind of like now, whenever I go into a coffee shop, I'm like, I would fuck this shit up. I would be. It's easy to fuck cheap. up. I, well, no, I mean, fuck it up in a good way. Oh, okay. Like, like be great at it. Oh yeah. I'd I be schmoozing the shit out of people. Sure. Oh my it's God. Your dog is so beautiful. Oh my God. It's just people. I would mean, I would mean 99% of it would be authentic. What's the one person that wouldn't be? Just the fucking guy. If you came in there, just look, just looking rich as shit. I might say some shit that's like not true, just to get some of your loot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so so you do that, and at some point you that tr- transitions to wanting to actually own your own gym. That's a that's like a long road, right? So. Well, I mean, maybe not that long. It's pretty long. Yeah. Eventually it led to me wanting to own my own gym. So I got into CrossFit. I was coaching at CrossFit S3. Um, and I was trying to pursue being good enough to be competitive in the sport of CrossFit. So all of my time was spent, you know, when I wasn't working, coaching and working so, out. So the coaching job and the waiting job were to subsidize this desire to compete. I wouldn't say it was a subsidize because it was it was a passion I wanted. It wasn't a means to an end, but it it made sense to pursue it, to allow me the freedom to also train to be competitive. Um, so I was at that gym for a while. And then there was another gym down the road, CrossFit Weddington, um, which had a more competitive edge to it. And they had a team that had gone to regionals the year prior. And I got in with one of the guys that worked out there. I I forget how we met. Um, but he invited me to come train with them on Saturdays at their team training um, Saturday mornings. So I met the owner. I met some of the other athletes there and I started kind of going back and forth between both. So I'd coach at S3 and I'd take some classes and I'd work out there. And I'd also work out with the guys and girls at Weddington sometimes. And then there was just an, like an organic just transition from S3 to Weddington because um, I had more opportunity there. I had more chances to coach. The owner was kind of a mentor for me. And he kind of brought me in. And then there was um, there were people there that I could push myself against to get better as far as an athlete goes and a coach, honestly. I mean, in retrospect, I didn't realize at the time, but I became the coach I am today because of my time at that gym with uh, Corey, the owner. Meaning he was a good mentor. You learned a lot from him. He was a great mentor. Yeah, I learned everything from him. Is that gym still around? Yeah. Yeah. I went and saw him like two weeks ago. And hung out there for a few hours. And so you're you're doing this job uh, waiting. And when when you went to this new gym, Weddington, did you also pick up coaching coaching hours there? Yes. Yeah. I eventually coached full time, and I stopped waiting tables. Okay. And then, are you living at home at this time? Yeah. What is, is your mom? Must be so proud of you to see you've gone through all that. Your mom and dad. I think so. Um, I think that they were proud of me for like taking control of my life 
at least right. my health. Um, right. And then finding something I was passionate about. I think that they were proud of that. Um, and there, there was like, there was a path to a future there. It wasn't like I was squandering my life or just wasting time, you know? Um, and it worked out. So. And you quit yeah. smoking and quit drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it wasn't, because it wasn't, because it was affecting your goals to be a better athlete. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Quitting smoking well, yeah, is hard, I mean, right? Life's, yeah, quitting smoking is hard shit. But like the lifestyle, like being in, I don't know, I, mean, like, I feel like you can't be in a CrossFit gym, like really be in a CrossFit gym and hold on to that kind of lifestyle. Like, because if you're holding on to that lifestyle, I'm not sure how into the CrossFit gym you really are, especially as a coach. Like if I'm a, if I'm training people and I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm like some kind of leader in the space trying to like help my clients and people in class, but I'm also like on the weekends going out and getting hammered and smoking a pack of cigarettes, like that's not going to last. That's, that's fake. You know, there's, that's not going to last very long. Right. So it was, it was a natural progression to get rid of those habits and, and quit smoking. But yeah, you're not going to go to the CrossFit games if you're smoking cigarettes for sure. I, I remember in the early days, I, I haven't seen it in a long, you know, in forever, but I remember in the early days going to Europe for a, uh, a, I think it was a regionals and filming there. And there would be teams. I remember the Italian team in between events would be smoking cigarettes. No shit. This That's is like in 2010 or something. Yeah, I'm wrong often. So no, you no, you're not wrong because that shit doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. You don't, you don't see that shit anymore. Okay, so then from there, oh, you killed as a bartender, Susan. I bet. God, I bet. Susan's really good that. at taking abuse too. Like someone could talk shit to him, be like, "Oh, let's talk about it, buddy." And like next yeah. thing you know, they're fucking giving him a ten spot for therapy. I Susan's believe it. He's a world class therapist. Um, so then, um, from there to tell me about how you got into the gym, how did that happen where you decided, okay, I'm going to open my own gym. So I was at Weddington for a couple of years training out of there and I I was getting closer and closer to qualifying for regionals, which is kind of my big goal. I really wanted one of those name placards that has your name, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So I spent about four years pursuing that goal from Weddington. I, moved on to CrossFit South Charlotte because there was an opportunity at that gym to manage the gym and get like a base stipend, like a salary, quote unquote. Um, and they also had an even more competitive drive in that gym. So they had gone to regionals as well. Whereas Weddington's team had kind of like aged out of pursuing that goal. Like they got in families and it wasn't a priority anymore. So then as South Charlotte had a younger, younger demographic kind of like where I was at. So I trained there for a, a couple of years, managed that gym while the owners were in Asheville, kind of removed from day to day. I picked up some personal training clients um, that I trained out of their garage. Cody, this is the 10,000 square foot gym with like almost 200 clients I've heard you talk about. Yes. South Shore. Um, South did you Charlotte. say you, you managed it? Yeah. I was a manager what? for them. Wow. Were there other managers? Uh, before me? Yeah. No, no. While you were there, you... No. So you were the guy there. I think so. Um, like, was, <laughs> right. like the, the owners, they still had a really heavy weight in the gym. So like Jeremy and Abby, um, everyone that was all of the members that were kind of foundational to that gym, they still loved Abby and Jeremy, but they, Abby and Jeremy had moved to Asheville. They'd open another affiliate or two other affiliates actually. And 
I was the in-person manager and I was the guy, I guess you could say there um, for a couple of years. Yeah. Just me. Why, why do you think they gave that to you? That seems like a lot of trust. Someone's gym like that know. is their baby. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I went, cause when I, when I originally went to South Charlotte, I was just going to train with some friends of mine, Josh, Nick Brinson, um, some guys that I was trying to pursue. So that's, is that CrossFit Charlotte? That might be Andy Hendel's gym. I was at South Charlotte. Um, but so that, that's where Taylor, that's where Taylor self set. You probably, I'm sure you know that, but he's at Andy's gym. I was at another gym across at South Charlotte, which was, which the owner used to be part of CrossFit Charlotte. But anyways, I, I went there, start, I went there to start training kind of trying to go to regionals. There were some guys there that had gotten close to qualifying and we wanted to make a team. And um, when I got to the gym, they had a manager at the, at the time, Rick ball. He was a really good friend of Jeremy's who was the owner and they, they kind of went back to being PJs back in the day. And wow. Rick was kind of like an interim manager. Like he was doing him a favor, but it wasn't his long-term plan to be a manager. So then I think they just saw this like 20 something year old come in that didn't have a family that was at the gym all the fucking time anyways. And they were like, Hey, you're a coach. We can teach you some of this admin stuff. If we give you like a salary, would you want to manage this place for us? So Rick can pursue other things. Um, like, yeah, why not? I'm ready here as it is. Like that'll have, that'd be helpful to have a little more income and some responsibility. Um, and it's so basically the soft one guys. Yeah, yeah. There's they're the soft one guys exactly. Yeah, Jeremy I followed that for a really long time. Really? Yeah, dude. I, yeah. Mean, I remember he they had soft one banners up, and I would listen to Jeremy talk about programming for it. He's a great programmer. He's a smart dude. Yeah, it was good shit. The nuances to this story are so important for everyone to hear, especially if anyone in leadership at CrossFit is listening. You have Andy Hendel, former uh, professional football player. You have a guy splitting off from one gym to open another gym. You have pararescue guys. You have a a, a guy who's the main character of this story, Cody Bradburn, who was using CrossFit to try to, um, uh, to help him set him up for success in boot camp. It's something that a lot of people forget that, that the foundation of this that we have the base it, it is a certain kind of person. And I'm not saying that it has to cater to that person, but it shouldn't be forgotten who the base is. There is a, there's a strong theme in all the affiliate interviews we do. These are all interesting stories about how gym split, who leaves the support they get. Even the way you hear Cody talk about all the ex gyms. Now we've heard about four gyms and everything has been positive and fondness and mentors and leaders. And it, it, it's a, um, it shows you it, it, it's 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 a uh, it shows you just the deep interconnectedness between all of these people and what their goals are, what their issues are, what their you know um, their their families, what they've done. It's it's cool. I, I really yeah, like I it. The, the guy, so I, you're absolutely right. So Corey, the guy that once mentioned, he also branched off of CrossFit Charlotte. So like Brian Strump owns Steel Creek. I'm pretty sure Brian branched off of Charlotte Open Steel Creek. Um, Corey branched off of Charlotte. I'm pretty sure to open Weddington, and I, I, I'm pretty sure Jeremy branched off of Charlotte to open South Charlotte. I might be wrong about that, but like they're all connected, like you said. I used to go to Corey's, the guy that owns Weddington, the, that mentor of mine. When I was a coach at gym, I'd go to his house every Sunday and have dinner with his family, like with his kids and his daughter and his wife. We'd hang out and you know watch church and have dinner and hang out every every Sunday night for months. Um, Did you say watch church? Yeah, like Elevation Church. Elevation Church would stream their services. Oh, and it would, and he would just play it up on the TV. Yeah, play it up on the TV. 
Watch church. I never heard that phrase. Watch church. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then um, uh, that is true. Je- Matt Souza did kill Jeffrey Dahmer. That, a lot of people don't know that. That that actually is 100%. And he killed like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, oh, oh. Darn it. Okay. Damn it. Uh, th- so, so you're, so you're at that gym and, and you yeah. found this new group of guys. And yeah. so you're still pursuing the dream guys yep. who are close to being regional in the team. Yep. And then, and then what happens after that? So we, so Josh, Nick and I were pursuing regionals and then we qualified for the, for the Atlantic regionals back in 2017 as a team with three other girls. So we qualified. It was actually the guys that qualified was me, Josh and Brandon, uh, Hedrick. Brandon owns CrossFit Dilworth and his wife, Gracie. So we qualified for regionals. We went and competed. Um, that was great. Had, had a fun time. Um, then the next year I was pursuing individual and I bought a house kind of up, up this way. Um, in a, a, a town called Belmont, which is pretty close to Charlotte. It's on the outskirts of Charlotte. And my mom had a friend, this, this one that was an attorney. So my mom was, um, in an incident at work, man, like 10 years ago where she was, um, in a patient's house, a dog tripped her. She fell on the stairs, really oh, messed shoot. up her knee. Yeah. Um, and that, the, that led to her having this autoimmune disorder called RSD, which is essentially like nerve pain, like nonstop nerve pain. So she had to hire an attorney and they had to go through this whole process to get workers cop involved. And anyways, she, she knew this woman that was going to the gym I own now. So one night my mom calls me, I'm at, um, I'm outside of like a, I think I was outside of Target. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, complex regional pain syndrome. Characterized by severe burning pain. She would describe it as like her foot being on fire, just always, just for years. So um, interesting fact, if you have RSD or know someone that does have RSD, the only thing that ever gave her relief was hyperbaric treatment. Oh, damn, that's good. Yeah. Damn, that's good. We had a hyperbaric expert on here. It, it, man, that shit sounds... Legit. It's legit. Legit. Yeah, legit. Wow. So she calls me. I'm outside of like... I'm, I'm somewhere shopping for... I'm, I'm getting... I think I'm, I was getting my toilet paper for South Shore CrossFit. She's like, hey, you know, my friend said that the guy that owns her gym wants to sell it. She thinks you should buy it. You should go check it out. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, that's going to happen. And you're already spread thin. You just bought a house. Yeah, I just bought a house, you know, like a few months prior. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, sure, mom, I'll go talk to the guy. So I remember leaving, and the gym, like where from where I used to live, was only 12 minutes away. So it wasn't that, it wasn't like a big ask. I could just, I just stopped by and walked inside. (sighs) I remember walking in the front door, and it was, oh my God, it was, it was tragic, man. Like I walked inside, and this dude, is teaching like a boot camp class, but he has like three members there. It's probably 7 p.m. There's like three older clients that are just like, I think they're doing bear crawls and maybe kettlebells, something. They're doing something with kettlebells. And this guy is, has his back to me. So I walk in the front door, half the lights are burned out. And <laughs> he's like looking at his phone and he's just like texting on his phone while these people are working out. And I just stood there for like five minutes. Didn't say anything. He didn't even, he didn't know I was there. He didn't look up in his phone while they were working out. So I walked across the gym and like, I was like, Hey man, um, 
I heard you want to sell this place. He turns around, looks at me. He's like, looks me up and down. And he's like, yeah, let's talk. <laughs> like, All right. So um, he finished his class. I guess you could say he finished class. He wasn't really doing anything about the class, but we met in his office and I was like, you know, I heard from so-and-so that you want to get out of this, out of the gym and you want to sell it. And um, I, you know, I run a gym down the street and I'm interested. So long story short, he'd, man, it's, that's a, that's a fucking crazy story. This guy didn't do CrossFit. Like he wasn't a CrossFitter. The guy with he, the phone standing there didn't yeah. do CrossFit. He wasn't a CrossFitter, dude. He wasn't. This is CrossFit. the first time I've ever heard this where there's a CrossFit yeah. coach that doesn't do CrossFit. Me too. It was kind of bizarre. So this guy had bought the gym. He was the third third owner. I'm the fourth owner of this of this affiliate. He bought the gym from another guy, and he bought the gym because he he caught a domestic abuse charge got convicted and part of his I'm not sure what the right word would be. He had to essentially do um, community service yeah. for children. Like to get like <laughs> do what they give back to you. <laughs> I fucking love this world. So he buys the gym from this other guy that was kind of like just burned out, ready out of the business. And he he fraudulently steals this franchise called Lean Teens doesn't pay any affiliation to this lean teen program puts a sign up for lean teens and runs across the gym. And then he, he basically monetizes this thing he has to do from the court to do public service for kids. So he charges for the lean teen program and then uses that as his community service. So he doesn't go to jail. Hey, let me ask you this real quick. Was he behind on his affiliate fees too? Like when you took over? No. Oh, wow. Impressive. All right. yeah. Point. Yeah. First point for that guy. Good job, buddy. <laughs> well, I think that's that's probably more of a CrossFit thing than him thing. Like, <laughs> so so at, at this point, after you when you leave there that day, are you? Does it go from there's no fucking way to oh shit I'm gonna end yeah. up owning this? Like, did you yeah, actually? Like it was but I mean, but when you were actually talking to him, were you like, okay, I I, I bet you I'm gonna end up owning this shit? Yeah. So I um. We talked and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm ready. To go. I, I'm ready to go to this one. I'm going to go back to Florida. Um, I don't really, I'm not into this whole CrossFit thing and I want to sell it. And he had taken a membership from like 60 people. I think he, when I bought the gym, he was down to seven or eight paying clients. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like it was, and he was, he's, I mean, we're in a, we're in like a strip mall. So he has like a retail space. He's on the hook for rent for, um, and he was drowning for sure. So I talked to him. We essentially agreed that like he doesn't have a business worth buying and that I would just buy his equipment and assume his lease if we were to move forward with this. So he's sitting in itemized. Is it a very honest, raw conversation? Like, do you just tell him like that? Is, is it, yeah. hey, buddy, I don't see a business here, but I will take this off your hands. For yeah, fun. I was like, all right, man. Well, like, I didn't know much about running a gym. Like, I was managing a gym, but I didn't know much about, like, you know, the financial aspect because, like, the owners manage that. I was like, all right, well, how many members do you have? And he was like, oh, you know, we've got, like, you know, there's there's a few members that are paying and there's a lot of leads that are coming in through Groupon. I was like, all right, cool. So, like, how many paying customers do you have? He's like, you know, we have eight or nine right now. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, so, that's not good. And you did so, everything you could not to laugh at that point or let your jaw hit the ground. And I was like, so you understand that like, so you're losing money. He's like, yeah, for now, but there's a lot of good potential in this business. And I was like, all right, you know, you have, you have a leg press machine in your office, dude. Like you don't, 
don't tell me this is pendulum. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't understand what you're doing. So he sent me a Google, he basically sent me a Google spreadsheet with all the equipment he had itemized in the gym and then what he thought it was worth with the total at the bottom. Um, so we negotiated that a little bit. And then I was going to go to the bank and ask for a loan to buy it, you know? So I actually told one of my, uh, I had this guy, I was training down in Weddington, him and his wife in their pool house. And I was like, Hey man, you know, there's an opportunity for me to buy a gym. This is kind of like the next evolution of my training career in my future. Um, and I'd been training this guy for a little over a year, a year and a half at the time. I'd go see him like three days a week and train him and his wife in their pool house. And I was, you know, I've got a, I've got a great friend of mine, you know, I'm, I'm going to give her your number so you guys can connect about, you know, training so she can keep it, keep it up for you. But I'm going to have to step away because of the responsibility of the gym. And he's like, okay, yeah, man, that's great. How, how much is the gym? Like, what do you need? And I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, this much to buy the gym. He's like, oh, okay, well just, you know, just send me your routing number and I'll, um, I'll help you buy it. You can just pay me back whenever you want to. <laughs> I was like, what? Another another classic CrossFit yeah. story. Throw that in there with the base being first responders and mill guys and everyone. Another classic story. Incredible, dude. Incredibly generous. So, wow. I didn't think it would actually happen, but then after that conversation, I was able to move forward pretty quickly because I, I didn't have to go to a bank to finance it. You know. Um, hey, that's the second person in this story. You have to imagine that. I mean, obviously you're being very humble, but, but those people who gave you, put you in charge of their gym, it's crazy. They must've seen something like crazy in you. And then uh, now this, these people at the pool house must've seen something. Let me just ask you this, that pool, those pool house clients, how many times did you cancel on them in that year and a half you were training them at their house? Never. Yeah. I figured I knew that was the answer. Never. Yep. And And there were things that you wanted to do weddings or your own training or, but they always came first. Yeah, for sure, man. I have responsibility to them. You know, I gave my word I was going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there were times that you went there, not a lot, but there were times you went there and they forgot or. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be out there and I'd walk in the pool house and I'd hang out and wait for them. They'd be in, you know, 20 minutes later because something came up, which is fine. Yeah. It's their time, you know, I mean, they're yeah. paying for it. Yeah. Um, that's the story, you know, Greg had, Greg Glassman had, he, uh, you, you probably know the story, but he trained some really wealthy people and he said he would, they paid him by the hour. He said, sometimes he'd yep. wait in there five, six, seven, eight hours all day. Really? And he would, and, uh, yeah. and not only that, that's when he started writing his journal articles. That's where the inspiration for the journal came sitting around waiting for crazy wealthy clients. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, so, so you, so you make the deal on the gym and you get the gym. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I met the guy and two, three weeks later, I was coaching class with mine. Wow. Yeah. That was crazy. It was wild how it all happened. It happened fast. <laughs> and um and you negotiated. I, I think I heard you say you nego you talked to the landlord and you're like, hey, you gotta give me three months free rent. Yeah, I talked to the landlord. I was like, hey guys, you know, I'll take this take this lease. You know, obviously his business is failing. Um, I think I can save it. I think it has potential, but and I'll I'll re-sign for three more years. I just need you guys to give me three months to rebuild the client base so I can pay your rent. You know, I had, I had a little bit of money in savings as like an old shit fund. Um, but I mean, I, I wasn't training the clients anymore. I wasn't at South Charlotte managing, so I didn't have any income. Um, so I just had to, I had to go for it. You know, I just jumped in and I was like, I can probably make this work, but you guys can give me some time. And I, I had to do like a personal guarantee on my house to be able to like let, to sign the lease to take over the space. Um, but yeah, they gave me three months. Before, I think I bought, I bought the gym in October of 2017 
And I didn't know rent until January 1, you know, maybe February 1 the next year. I, I wonder why they didn't just tell you to fuck off and get out. No, we're not doing it. We'll rent to someone else. Well, I'm not in a part of town that's drawing a lot of tenants. Like they've, okay. they've got they've got open open spaces in the building. Okay. And were yeah, they cool about it? Um, yeah, the property manager was cool. Hunter, uh, Hunter was the property manager. He was a cool guy. He's, he was cool. He's like, yeah, man, you know, do your thing. He was really laid back. He's like, you know, good luck. If you need anything, let us know. But are you still in that same space today? Yeah. So four years you've been there. Five, five years, five. And, and, um, what's the most clients you've ever had there? Um, 110. Oh shit. So you've grown it by more than a hundred clients. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. So like the Walgreens, they, they left. So they're not there anymore. That's, that's just empty. Empty. I'm, I tried to get the, I tried to get the building, but it's just so expensive. It's insane. Being in every, every sell spot. Yeah. Crazy. You mean to actually buy the building or to actually move your gym into the Walgreens? Uh, spot? To move my gym. I've thought about trying to buy this whole shopping center. Like I've, I've entertained the notion of it. Um, I haven't gone to the, to the owner yet, but the owner lives in like, he lives in California and I, I don't know, man, I don't know if I want to buy this place. Like it could go one of two ways, but like, there's a good chance it goes in a, not a good way as far as owning it is concerned. So God, wouldn't that be sure. crazy if you owned a shopping center? Yeah. It'd be pretty fucking wild. <laughs> it'd be fucking nuts. Uh, and in, in this in this journey, so so you buy the place, and, and can you kind of take me through the process of how you got from here to five years? What are some of the things you start tackling right away to, to grow the business? Yeah, I mean, I remember, so I, I I was in the attorney's office in Charlotte to do the paperwork to sign over the the gym and make the purchase. I mean, that happened at like two p.m. on like a Friday, and I was coaching class at four thirty that day. Wow. You know, so like it was immediately just stepping in and. Dude, those clients must have tripped to go from the guy who doesn't do CrossFit to have you walk in there. Yeah, they were pretty stoked. Oh, they were stoked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were excited. Um, And then so like when I got back into the gym. So here's an example of this guy, right? This guy that owned it before me, he he heard about hero workouts. Like he didn't know that was a thing and he found out they existed. So he got excited and he programmed hero workouts every day for a month. <laughs> yeah. So like the members told me that. And then at a certain point, they were like, all right, man, like we're not doing this anymore. So we're, we're either going to leave or you can give us a key and we'll just come and go as you please. And he's like, all right, that sounds good. So he gave him a key. Um, so the members, the ones that were still here, they were like six or seven that were like a little group. They would just come in and like do their own workouts and, you know, come and go as they, as they pleased. So I had to kind of overcome that and let them know, you know, how, was, how things were going to go. But they were super, they were cool because they were excited about having me there. Uh, but yeah, I just, I bought the gym. I was coaching class that night. And then the first month was just me coaching 5.30 AM, noon, 4.30 PM, six, you know, like all the, all the classes. And then in between classes, I was trying to like give the gym a facelift because he didn't care about it. So it was, it was a mess. So we, I tried to make it look at least more aesthetically appealing. Um, so a lot of projects, with my family, that they'd come and help me work on it. Um, and then I was also training full time because I still want to go to regionals. So I was still training pretty hard. Um, so I would coach class, work out, go print off like 
pamphlets and flyers and go drop in people's mailboxes and all the neighborhoods around, try to like just get our name out there. Um, I got all of his old waivers he'd had signed from old clients that had been in, you know, in the gym in the past and put all their emails in an email, can- like an email list and then drafted up like a about me to send to them. And that helped like that got me from eight to probably like 35 and maybe two weeks, you know, wow. a wow. lot of members that they still want to do CrossFit, but they find out, you know, they've been members with the previous owner that owned it before this guy that I bought it from. But then, you know, that guy got burned out because he was coaching all the classes and barely making enough money to get by. And like, he just got, it's like most CrossFit owners, you know, affiliate owners that you hear about, they just, they just get burned out and they sell it or they get out of the business because it's, it just takes up their life. So they had left when they found out he sold it to this dude that had a domestic abuse charge. A lot of the women didn't want to be in the gym by themselves if he was going to be there, you know, in classes. So they, they canceled. So then when I put out an email that I'd taken ownership and kind of given them my story, a lot of them, they were still wanting to do CrossFit. So they came back, you know, they rejoined. Um, so we got back up to 30, 40 members in a few months or less than that. And, and did that, was that, did that um, meet your expectations? Yeah. Yeah, you I thought like, that there, there was a good chance that would happen after I met the guy. So you that gave you like, oh, whew, I'm not going to lose my house. Yeah, dude, it was like, oh, I can pay my mortgage and I can yeah. pay rent. Like, the network, this is going to be fine. Like, this is probably going to be okay. Um, but I mean, when I bought the gym, like, I think that same week, I called Chris Cooper and kind of told him my situation. Why did you do that? What did you? How, why did you call Chris Cooper? How did you hear about him? I'd seen some of his blog posts online, and I saw him and like a couple of CrossFit gym owner Facebook groups. So even before I bought the gym, I had joined a few affiliate owner groups on Facebook because I was running a gym prior. So I was trying to have ideas and like have somewhere to bounce ideas off and get feedback. Um, so I'd seen him in there pretty actively. And I'd also seen other gym owners during my journey that looked like they maybe were on a path to get burned out being a gym owner. And I didn't want that for myself because I bought it. I was 20, I was 23 when I bought it, 24 when I bought it. So I didn't, and I mean, I don't have a degree, so I'm not, I'm not sure how to run a business. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I like CrossFit and I'm a good coach and I like to work out, you know? So that was kind of my prerequisites I'd had for owning an affiliate. So then I knew I didn't want to get burned out and I, I knew I didn't want to ruin the gym or, you know, end up like one of the other guys that sold it a year later. So I called them and told them, I was like, Hey man, um, you know, I've, I've been following you for a while. I just bought a gym. Um, the previous owner kind of ran into the ground. I've got like five grand in the bank that to cover rent, just in case I, don't, I can't get it up. Um, it's where it needs to be to pay for my bills. I could take that money and pay for your mentorship. And he was like, no, don't do that. He's like, get your, get yourself up to a point where you can sustain your rent and your bills. Um, get out of the red and then call me and we'll do it. I was like, all right. So I spent like three or four months just kind of getting to a sustainable number. And then I called them back and signed up with him and went through the two brain process. Did you actually talk with Chris Cooper? Yeah, that was back when he was making calls. Wow. He told me, you know, he told me, he told me to make, um, he gave me an idea from Mike McCallowitz. Uh, it's called a seed, a seed client list. So he said, make your seed client list. He's like, make a, get a piece of paper, put a smiley face and a frowny face. Um, and then make another list with a dollar sign and your clients that are on the dollar sign being like, they spend the most money with you and your clients that are on the happy side of the smiley face list. Those are your best clients. If they're on both lists, talk to them and try to like 
get them to bring, to bring their friends in and like run ideas by them because those are your best clients. So spend spend your, all your energy on those clients. Um, and if you do that, you'll be okay. And then, you know, give me a call back when you're in the green and we'll, we'll do your, the two brain stuff. And did you do that practice? Yeah. On the phone. Like, I was on the phone. I was like making the list with him. <laughs> Whatever you say, dude, I just don't want to fuck this up. So yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Chris is so cool. Anyone who gets to interact with him, he is so cool. Um, yeah. and so, and, and did, did that help? Did you, did, did you then pursue speaking to those clients and how did those conversations go? What do you say to them? Um, I just mailed them and I kind of get, told them where I was at and you know, what, what I hope to do with the gym and what my, my, uh, goals were with the affiliate and you know, why I love CrossFit. And I asked them things like, you know, what would you like to see in the gym? Like what would be meaningful to you? What would make you want to come back? Like, why do you come to the gym? And then based on the feedback I got from them as to why they came, I used that in my messaging on social media and my email campaigns to talk oh. to more people like them. Like they made an avatar, right? So you talk to your avatar and then that draws more people in. Wow. So, wow, that's so, that, that seems so logical. That's just basic algebra. What, what, what's working on this side of the equation? You ask them what's working and then you go tell, use that to tell the world. And then the, and and everyone likes to help too, right? So then they they are they are fulfilled by the fact that they get to help participate in your growth. Yep. And there's something about people like I think when you see someone go all in on something and you see them there day in and day out in the mornings every night, you, you can't ignore that consistency. So then you know it's genuine. So I mean, why wouldn't you want to help someone? if they're genuinely trying to be successful and, you know, and it comes from a place of good intention. After this three months that you just followed this, this small piece of advice that Chris had given you small, but potent, why not just keep your, the money you've saved and keep going? Why did you go back to them? Cause I knew that that was just the surface. Like that was just scratching the surface. There was so much more. And like, I mean, if I, if I'm going to tell my clients that they need a coach in their corner to help them be successful, but I don't also practice what I'm preaching and like have a coach for myself, then who am I? You know, that's right. Why right. shouldn't I have a coach? Right. Uh, and so you signed up with him and how did that go? It was great. You know, um, I signed up. I didn't work with Chris after that point through the mentorship process. I worked with uh, Jeff Smith, who is still a mentor for two brain today. And I went through, they call it, uh, I think they called it the incubator. It's the incubator. So you go through the incubator. It's like a three That's the name of their program, incubator? Yeah, the initial part. So you sign up and you go through the incubator. Or this, that's how it was back you know, five years ago. Um, and that's essentially like a deep dive crash course on how to you know, not screw up being a gym owner. And like what to do, how to, how to create systems, how to hire a cleaner, why you should hire a cleaner, how to change your mindset, how to sell personal training, why you should sell personal training, X, Y, you know, all these different just basic gym owner things, how to manage your finances. And then after the three months of the incubator, you can choose to go to growth, which is essentially like a monthly subscription to be part of their Facebook group and have a mentor call every month with your mentor. And they'll help you set goals pursue your goals, kind of give you advice and guidance based on their experience. Um, it's just a mastermind. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still in two brain. So that's been five years. I've been doing that. Uh, no shit. Yeah. Wow. And you don't work for them. No. 
I've thought about applying to be a mentor, but I haven't done it yet. Wow. That is really cool. And have you helped other gyms with the stuff that you've learned from two brain? Yeah. Like yeah, the, volume the like, tables. Yeah. Um, do you think that if you wouldn't have gone that way with two brain, uh, things would have been different? Yeah. Definitely. When I spoke to him, the most powerful thing that he said to me that I, that, that stands out, he probably said a ton of stuff was that basically, um, he, he made a shitload of mistakes himself. And the way he explained the way mistakes happen was fascinating to me. He said, everyone knows the first thing you do. That's the easiest. You get the gym. Yeah. And then what's the second thing and the third thing and the fourth thing? And at some point down there, it becomes, should you get a, a new mirror in the bathroom or should you buy a new kettlebell? And he says, in these decisions, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what the examples he gave me. But it was when I had him on the podcast when I was at, when I was at CrossFit. And he said, basically, there's wrong decisions to be made there. A lot of them. Yeah, and so you want to make sure you're making the right, you're choosing that right path. It's kind of like that game Candyland or whatever those board games are yeah. where they got a million fucking paths. You don't want to fall down the wrong ladder. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, like the guys that owned it before me, they fucked up Candyland. Like they right. had <laughs> made a bunch of shitty choices and like then they sold it, you know? Like there was a reason I was the fourth owner and that's, I wanted to stop that. Uh, fourth owner in four years. Yeah, dude. That's amazing. Well, um, why do you keep um, paying? Um, why do you stay a CrossFit gym? Why, why not? Now that you've had the success, um, just let your affiliate fees lapse and and, and change the name to Mountain Island um, uh, Cody Bradburn. Because I value integrity, and to me, if I kept doing CrossFit and stopped supporting the brand of CrossFit. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And I've like gone you, back and forth. Like, cause you know, Greg's not there anymore. And it's like, it's like the story of, um, what is it? Odysseus's boat. It's like, if it's the same boat, but you've replaced all the, all the boards on the boat, is it the same boat? I mean, I say it's the same boat. You know, like I, I still eat, breathe and sleep CrossFit. You know, I spend all my time listening to their podcasts and watching your videos and people like me, like, I just, I care about it. So if I were to like disenfranchise from CrossFit or leave CrossFit to save $3,000 a year, it's like, that's not worth it. Like I'd, I'd much rather sub- support the mission and the vision that Greg created and is still in motion in some way. Like, even though they're struggling right now with direction, I still hope that they can get back to their roots and pursue Greg's vision and I'd much rather pay to support that than not. I, 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 what would be the equivalent elsewhere? The, the example that I've used a lot of times is it's a tithing you're paying. You know, the way people would pay money yeah. to a church. Yeah. Or I heard Greg refer to it as, you know, hey, you know, we've let the cat out of the bag. Now the affiliates are just pay, paying a brand loyalty payment. You use the word integrity. I like that. I wonder what the okay, – I'm sure this is a really hard pill to swallow – if you're running a company, right? Because like you're the, all the MBAs are like, well, of course we, we, we sell M&Ms and these pretty wrappers and we trick kids to buy them and we put them, you know, at the counter there and we have them buy food that hurts them and it adds no value to their life, but we keep selling it to them. I mean, you know what I mean? And that, but that's what they do. But, but yours is, 
this reason that affiliates I think are staying on board is so abstract and these people who work there want to add value. No, no one at HQ wants to be late. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but the vast majority of people don't want to be lazy. They want to find a way to add value to the affiliates, even if the affiliate fees are going to just pay. And someone like Craig Howard over at Pleasanton CrossFit um, or Diablo CrossFit has set the bar so low that like, Hey, just don't fuck up the brand. Yeah. Like don't do anything for me. Yeah. Just don't poop on the doorstep. But, but those people need, those people want to add value. The people who work at CrossFit HQ, they want to add value. Yeah. They're making an effort for sure. And it's getting better. Like they put out the, the um, affiliate roundtables. They put out the affiliate owner handbook. They're doing the quarterly affiliate owner meetups where they have people presenting like best practices, which is great. I'm glad to see that. What did you think about that? Have you read the handbook? I've, I've, I've read through it a little bit. I haven't read it front front to back i've um okay. i've checked out sections there's a lot of stuff in there that i already do that i learned from two brain um do you think it's plagiarized from two brain no no okay I don't think so. just it's check not it. the just same as two brain there's okay. yeah for sure there's um they're saying a lot of similar things in a different way like with different voices but okay. the end outcome the, the outcome still sounds the same to me and there's there's a lot of stuff i could be doing better there's a lot of things i could do better and that's why I, I have the affiliate playbook on a tab and my computer always open so I can go back and look at it when I'm when I have a few minutes to like, you know, work on some personal growth and development from that. Um, so I try to do that often. But even if CrossFit wasn't doing that, I, I would still pay my affiliate fees. I'd still be an affiliate because I'm proud to be an affiliate and I'm proud to give them money to help them pursue their their vision, their mission and try to fix society because it's pretty fucked right now the word um i wonder if it's equivalent to your members paying you during the months you were closed down for covid because they believe they or or like i used to when my where my kids do tennis or my kids do jujitsu it's more than just a place they do jujitsu or do tennis or do skateboarding it's a place that i can't i i don't want it to go away no matter what it's yeah. a community for my kids. Hundred percent. I would be so bummed if one of these places closed down, not yeah. because they couldn't do the sport anymore, but because that that community. Where would that community go? Yeah, it's so it's sort of you. So it's kind of that, right? Big picture. You pay into that to make sure the community stays together. Yeah, that's a, a good way to put it. So interesting. How long were you closed during the um, the 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 pandemic restrictions or whatever the fuck people call it these days um two to three months somewhere in there oh okay so did you give the middle finger and just open back up that doesn't seem very yeah police ever come no awesome i'd love to hear that thank you officers of uh charlotte for not going to the gym and letting people get healthy yeah. What what do you tell people if someone asks you what you're selling? What what do you tell people? Or does anyone ever ask you that? Not in those words. Um, but when that topic comes up, I mean, I tell them I'm selling the solution to their problems. You know, and that's what it comes down to is it's this will solve your problem if you listen to me and take my advice. But I'm that's relationship. I'm having relationship problems. Sure, we, this will help with that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, you having problems at work. Person. Yeah. Yeah. It really is amazing. How does it work for someone to become a member at your gym? 
Yeah. So like, um, say somebody comes in on the website and they have questions. Um, I'll call them and we'll schedule. We have a, a couple steps in the process. We do a discovery call. So they'll fill out the lead form. I'll get their information. They get a text from me. Hey, have you had a chance to book an appointment yet? And it'll prompt them to schedule a call. So then that way they're getting a response back immediately. And then I'll go back if they haven't responded. I'll, I'll give them a personal call if, if they haven't responded in like, you know, a few hours if I'm available. And um, schedule a discovery call. That's usually seven to 10 minutes. And we'll just talk about, okay, who are you? What's your goal? Why do you want to come to the gym? And if it sounds like a good fit, then I'll schedule an in-person consultation. But if I'm on the phone and someone says like, hey, I want a place to come work out and like do my own thing. Like, all right, cool, man. This isn't the place for you, but go check out this gym down the street, you know? But if you're like, Hey, I want to lose weight. I want to get healthy. You know, I want to make, you know, be a, be a better person. I want to, you know, any of those things. Okay. Sounds great. Let's get you in the gym and we'll schedule a free no sweat intro. They'll come in for 30 to 45 minutes and meet with me or my wife. And we'll sit down right over there and talk about just their hit, their history, like where they've been, what they've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, what their goals are, why their goals matter to them, and then you know how we solve their problems with CrossFit, what CrossFit is, and then we'll talk about our onboarding process and then present the options. And it's a prescriptive model, which I learned from Two Brain. So if somebody comes in and they're and they haven't worked out in 20 years and they're afraid of being in a group, I'm not going to suggest they take group classes. I'm going to suggest personal training, you know, for one or two or three months, and then after they become confident and competent and they're being consistent with some personal accountability coach um, and then they're safe in class. Maybe then if they want to, they can graduate to group classes, but I've got clients. I got two clients out there right now that don't want to do group classes. So they're doing one-on-one training with Megan and they're happy with that. But if I took that same client and threw them in a class, you know, they're probably going to fail. So we have that conversation on the front end so I can make a recommendation and then we'll move forward from there. Do you ever say to a client, hey, you know, you've been here six months. I know you said you're not interested in a group class. I really think it would be an important stimulus for you and life experience for you. I'm not suggesting you do it all the time, but I really think that it would add value to you. If nothing else, get you out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Carl, he comes in the mornings at 630 a.m. And we always recommend he like try some classes out and get around some of his peers and push himself a little bit. Yeah. We have clients like that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like that in um, jujitsu. It's like or in tennis or in anything like hey you might not want to be a competitive skateboarder or a competitive tennis player but it's important to at least sign up for a tournament once a year or or, you know to to at least get out there and and experience it and the vast majority just to break through your fears right for sure or your preconceived notions i never want to go to an affiliate and then but going to an affiliate's like sex sometimes you don't want to have it but you never ever regret yeah you need it it's right you need it and you never regret it yeah i've no. never gone to an affiliate and worked out and been like oh i didn't like that it's always like even if i have sh- the worst experience in the world i still had a fucking great time working out with the other people in there yeah for sure look at they heard me say that and all the porn sites started botting us <laughs> russian bot forms um what what happens next for you? Is is a, is a second affiliate in in sight for you? I don't think so, man. I mean, we could, but one of my mentor that I work with now, um, Jeff Juka, he he put it well a couple months ago on one of our calls. 
because at this point with my, you know, my gym ownership, I could, I could do a couple of things, right? I could functionally retire and step away and like go pursue other things I wanted to. I could open a second location, another affiliate. Um, but I don't really have an interest in either of those things. So you can either go big or you can go deep. And my wife and I decided we want to just go deep with our affiliate. So we want to be present, you know, continue to help our coaches develop and get better at coaching, continue to refine our member experience and consider to pour into the community like the way we're doing it now and just continue that, uh, try to get more depth with them um, and just make this affiliate as impactful as we can. Um, the next thing I'm trying to do is buy a building so that I can own some commercial real estate and I could get some tenants to help create some additional revenue streams and to help me pay, pay the note down. Um, so I can go from being a, a, a renter to an owner. Right. And then I, I might pursue seminar staff. Um, I'm undecided on that just because of my wife being pregnant and having our first child on the way. Right. Um, so that those are the two big things other than just growing my gym and making my affiliate as good as like, you know, the best affiliate I can. I'd like to be able to, you know, move us into a dream gym that I own or that we own. Right. And, maybe apply to be on seminar staff if I, if I have, you know what it takes. Um, yeah. When the, ba- when, when the baby comes out, it, it's for sure going to change. I don't know in what way, but it's for sure going to yeah. change your perspective. Like in like this second, you're, you're going to be a dad and right. then you kind of start to see the world. Even if you don't want, you start seeing the world, you'll start wanting to be more familial with everyone. Like you're saying, you want to go, it sounds like you're already in, going in that direction. You'll want your gym to be deeper uh, because you're going to, everywhere you go, you're going to be nesting. You know what I mean? Everywhere yeah. you go, you're going to be like, would my son or my daughter be happy here? Is this an adequate place? You start doing that. You take everything like to the next level. Right. It's like, it's like, I never, never in a million years, when I go to the skate park, the first thing I do is I walk around and look for trash and needles and bo- anything that would cause my kids to trip while they're skateboarding or, or dangerous to them. If I see other kids' sweatshirts on the ground, I pick them up and hang them up. Just dumb shit that old people do. I can't even fucking believe it. Not dumb shit, though, dude. Like, that's that's a reflection of who you are as a person, man. Yeah. I I can't even help it. I just turned into a dad. You just can't even help it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why should, you know, why should you? But what's what's better than that? Right. I wear some when it's too hot. I wear the sombrero so my fucking skin doesn't <laughs> burn. Yeah, I do all the old people shit. I look at birds. <laughs> yeah. So so you're you're going to be headed that way, man. Your affiliate owners are your affiliate members are really going to benefit from that next level of um, depth. I hope that, so. That you're going to add, yeah. I hope so. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Was there uh, was there any stone that you that you thought, hey, I want to make sure I share this story while I'm on there that maybe we didn't um, talk about? I don't think so, man. Um, I just I appreciate what you guys are doing for a CrossFit, even though you're no longer employed by them. I, I hope they hire you back if you'd even take a job. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just. I think that gym owners and CrossFit gym owners specifically, I just hope that they don't lose sight of why they open an affiliate to begin with. And um, one of my coaches put it well, like our society nowadays wants to tell us that we need to be bigger and like successful and as wealthy as possible and grow, 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 you know, become this like as big as you can. But there's also nothing wrong with being that mom and pop shop that, impacts people's lives in a meaningful way 
And um, I think that's worth pursuing. I'm being proud of. I mean, look, look, you were doing some guy in a pool house, him and his wife in a pool house and in a meaningful way. And they did you back. Right. It's kind of, it's amazing, right? It absolutely is. Hey, when that happens, who's the first, do you, do you go back to your car and just call your girlfriend right away and just be like, or your mom? And you're like, you're never going to fucking believe this. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I do whenever that shit happens. And I was like, I I didn't, I I sat in shock. I I didn't want to believe it. I was like, there's, I'm not going to get my hopes up. That's probably not going to happen. Like he's just being a nice guy. He's just saying that. And I didn't want to believe it until like I saw the wire transfer go through. And when that happened, like it just settled in that it was actually possible. And that was, um, I mean, it changed my life. You know, how else can you say it? Are you still friends with him? We're, I wouldn't say we're friends. We stay in touch. Um, and he comes to visit the gym sometimes. And like, I still check on his son and how his son's doing in football. Um, it was, it was a big part of my life, but once we were able to get, get squared up and, you know, it was just a natural progression that we right. are on paths. I, I wish that he could have been a part of it, but he lives about an hour away from where my ability is now. So right. that's not realistic to expect that. Yeah. I, um, the people on this podcast, this, it's like crazy every day. Someone either says something to me, sends me something, gives me something, does something for the podcast that kind of blows me away. Yeah, it's it's it's, and you must see that in your gym all the time, just being around such a a good community. Yeah, I mean, I think there's people have a lot of generosity in their hearts. They just need somewhere to express it. Right. It's easy to think that that doesn't exist out there, but it does. Oh, it's crazy exists. You got to be just open to it. Right, too. Yeah, you have to be open to it. You have to look for it and be willing to accept it. If you don't give a shitload, you won't receive a shitload. But 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 you can't give and you can't give. It's weird. I need to learn how to phrase it, but you, but you can't be giving thinking that you're going to be returning shit. There's this thing. There's this thing. Um, the only, the only kind of metaphor that I can think of, um, is there, I think that, I think I saw it in the Bible. There's this thing in the Bible where if you pray in church, you'll receive the glory of God in church. If you pray behind closed doors, you'll uh, receive the glory of God uh, in abundance in your life. And the way I take that is, is like, if you give to people want and expecting in return, you're going to get like if I, I wait till someone's looking before I give them something. Yeah. Um, so that the whole world that that's that's the accolades I get. Yeah. But still, when you do generous things just because you're a generous person, it still puts the world in motion to give back to you. I know yeah. it sounds magical, but I, I, I think that's how I think that's how, how I'm seeing it work at 50. Who's to say that magic is not real? Right. Uh, Philip Kelly. How did Cody prepare to take his L3? You have your L3, Cody? Dang. I got it back in May. How did you prepare for that? So whenever the governor shut down gyms for COVID, we, um, my wife and I were at home, you know, we, all of our members that stayed on with us, we rented them out equipment. So they all took, you know, took kettlebells, dumbbells, barbells, plates, rowers home. And every day, every morning we wake up, We'd have a list. We split the list in half, right? And we would text all of our clients specific modifications of the workout of the day based on the equipment they have and then tell them why they should do it based on their goals. And then that was our mornings. We spend a few hours in the morning doing that, you know, about 40 to 50 clients a piece. We'd go through and text them all and make sure that they were set and had a plan for the day. And then in the evenings, we would check them, hey, how'd it go? What was your time? What was your score? Um, 
send us a send us a picture post workouts. So we know you did it. Just some accountability, you know, and to give them some kind of value for keeping up their payment with us. But in between those hours, there wasn't much to do, so I decided I was to take my level three. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the level three study material, but it's essentially this PDF of probably it's probably seven or eight pages, and they've got I don't know a hundred to 120 articles from the journal in just six different uh, categories. So every day, every morning before we text a client, it'll wake up a little bit earlier, have some coffee and just sit on the couch and pick a few articles and read through them. And that was years ago, a couple years ago, you know? Um, so I read through a lot of the articles and then the gym reopened. I got back into coaching full time. I got back into trying to rebuild the gym and my team. So I got away from that for, for a while. And then after I had some good coaches back on my staff and I had some more time, I went back to studying again. So I, I went back and reread all the articles, highlighted them, took notes. And then I took the, a couple online courses for programming with you know Chuck, um, watched any videos I could find about the level three. But there's not with much Chuck out there. Who? With Chuck who? Chuck Carswell. Like he has he, an online course for programming. He teaches it. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. So that's like 60 bucks, man. Like the, it's, it's super cheap, right? So anybody listening that wants it, I'll take, take that. Um, I went back and did the judges course. I went back and watched um, spot the flaw courses and, you know, reviewed all those and took notes. Um, but I, I just read the materials that they gave you. You know, there's not really a better way. I mean, all you can do is obsess over CrossFit. What, you know, read the old articles, read, read the stuff in the study guide that they give you, um, you know, I watched videos every night um, with E.C. Simkowski. She's talking about, you know, nutrition. So I watched a lot of her stuff and tried to understand just the methodology at its core. But there's not really like a secret way to prepare for it. You know, like you've got to just. You've got to love CrossFit. You got to know CrossFit. You got to believe in CrossFit. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to pass it. And, it's, and then how was the test? It's hard. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you, you go to a Pearson View testing center and you can't talk. You're in front of a computer. They give you a notepad and you have like, I think, two or three hours to take it. It's like 120, 150 questions. Um, and it's mostly just like, it was mostly like scenarios. Like, okay, you have this new member that comes into the gym and, you know, he's a college kid. He hasn't worked out in two years. He partied last night. Um, he's hungover, which one of these workouts is the most at risk of giving him rhabdo, right? Or what's the most dangerous workout he could do? Um, or you've got these three clients working out and then this is the workout of the day. They've got, you know, this client uses this weight, this client uses this weight, this client uses this weight. This is their individual times who produced the most power during their workout. So like uh-huh. things like that, you know, and then there's a lot of you know questions about just the methodology and CrossFit and stuff that you read about in those articles. Did you leave that thinking you passed? Um, so when you leave, they give you the response. They give you your pass fail right away. Oh shit. When I, when I finished the test, I was pretty confident I passed it because a lot of the questions I wasn't, I wasn't wondering. I was pretty confident in my answers going into it. I was really nervous. You know, I was going to put it off because we were, my wife and I were about to go on our honeymoon. So we're going to go to Costa Rica for like two weeks. And one of my coaches she was like, you should take the test before you go. Cause if you don't, you're going to be stressed out your whole honeymoon and you're going to be stuck. Oh, good advice. Just, just take it, get it over with and then go relax. So I did. 
So I was, I was stressed going into it. But then when I finished it and I finally like went back and checked a couple of my questions that I hadn't been sure about um, and finalized my answers and spent LC, I was pretty confident. So I got up and walked out and they handed me the pass. And that was a, that was a great feeling, man. Cause that was a really big goal of mine. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's crazy. That's, that's basically my college degree. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and they're going to have a level four now. It looks like I just saw that. Yeah. That's my next goal. You will get right on that, huh? Yeah, I'm going to go for it for sure. I'm probably going to get smoked my first try, but I'm going to try. Uh, and would you, and so the process of studying for the level three is what makes you a better coach. I'm guessing that made you a significantly better coach, just all the hours you put in studying. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Sarah Summer. I used to coach for Cody. He was one of the best affiliate owners to be under. He genuinely cared about the development and making us the best. I can only imagine things have gotten better. Love the show. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Cody has been killing it since the grid years. Oh, you did yeah, grid. Dude. Grid, man. That was back in the day. We did the uh, SAGL. I, I was – Corey and I were on different teams. No, I think we are the same team. We, um, yeah, we did grid for a few months for a while. Thank you, Corey. Um, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm, I was looking forward to this all day, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, anytime. You got my number. Text me anytime. Uh, yeah, good yeah, to meet okay. you. Yeah. Uh, lots of nice things said here. Lots of good information. I think uh, I'm stoked on this podcast. Thank you, brother. Thanks, bro. Yeah, me too, man. I really appreciate it, Zaman. Thanks again. Okay, and don't hesitate. Thanks, I always, I always tell all the guests this. Don't ever hesitate to text me. No one can bug me. I have no problems ignoring people, and I also have um, no problems like texting me twenty four hours a day. So, like, no one can bug me. Okay. Well, if you guys are ever in Charlotte and you need to come work out, let me know for sure. But you got a place to sleep too. Okay. Oh, uh, and from Michael. Sorry, Michael. My problem with the L three is the cost to maintain it. What's that mean? Um, he probably means that you have to maintain a certain level of CEOs, CEUs. So you have to go do online courses. You have to go to in-person seminars. You have to go to things that CrossFit has sanctioned as approved from CrossFit to be able to maintain your level three. I don't know okay. the exact requirements, but oh, I mean, here we go. If you're if you're just a if you're a you'll put into anything like what what you put into what you care about is a reflection of the value associated to it. So if you value CrossFit, you'll invest the money into it to maintain your level. If you don't, that's fine. You maybe just don't waste your time doing it. You know, just keep it, keep it on level ones and level twos. And that's fine. That's not wrong. But like the money that I'm going to spend to maintain my level three is insignificant to the value I get from being a level three. Damn. Cody, you should be on seminar staff. You already got the answers. They should pay you a thousand bucks for that answer. That was a great answer. Oh, wait. So let's pull up the poll. Thank you, Caleb. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad we made it to the two hour mark. The question was, does Cody cut his own hair or does he go to supercuts? 48% cut his own hair. I'm going to say he cuts his own hair too. He's got like that manly shit going. He's not like me. Um, or does he go to supercuts? Cody? I go to a barber shop and my barber open carries a Glock on his hip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We need another pull. Or does he go to a barber who carries a gun? Could have more answers. Son of a Damn it. Okay. Thanks, dude. Um, great right. meeting you. you too, man. Uh, our paths Enjoy. will cross again, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, ciao. All right, guys, take care.
Damn. Good ending. So that's good. So that that makes up for the fact that he doesn't cut his own hair. He still gets the tick in the masculine section because the barber carries a Glock. It's probably one of those barber yeah. shops that like you can get whiskey at too. I you bet you his barber's like, Russell Berger. His barber's <laughs> Russell Berger. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Um, tomorrow we have on as a guest a young lady. Maybe she's not even a young lady anymore, but I knew this girl. I knew of this girl when she was 16 because I worked with her mom and her dad at CrossFit events. And her name is Devin Kim. And now she is like a full-blown badass CrossFitter. I mean, she was a badass CrossFitter as a kid too, I remember. But I just paid her no mind. So it's too busy with the camera and Josh Bridges' face. But I remember seeing her doing the demos at the uh, Del Mar Regional in San Diego, California. And she would do the demos with Adrian Bosman. And she was just a young girl. And uh, now she's going to be on the show. And she's competing at the Zello Games. And I actually ran into her at the ranch a couple months ago. And it took me a while for, and she was so kind and polite and turned into this mature woman. And, uh, and now I'm finally making the connection where I knew her, but anyway, she's coming on the show at 7am tomorrow. I can't get wait to get reacquainted with her. And then tomorrow evening, uh, Brian friend and, uh, Andrew Hiller will be joining me on the show to discuss, uh, Zello games, Zellos games, Zello games. I should learn how to pronounce it. Then on Wednesday, we have uh, Christine Kohlenbrander at 7 a.m., another uh, amazing athlete I've never met before. I'm excited to meet her. And then in the evening, on Wednesday night, we have Aaron Cairo on. He is the king of YouTube uh, when it comes to uh, skateboarding. He is the man. He has built an organization called Braille. They own YouTube when it comes to skateboarding. And he's I think he's made it his life goal to make skate to make skateboarding accessible to everyone. He is a uh, pretty hardcore benevolent dude, a, a giver of the highest level. And I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, I think most kids these days know who that is. Thursday, Jason Grubb. Uh, we've had him on before. Great guy. One of the nicest guys ever. Uh, uh, Masters uh, champion in CrossFit. No one scheduled for Friday yet. Saturday, no one. Oh, I like it when... Okay. Oh, Saturday and Sunday, we have the Zellos games. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're getting there. Um, Regardless how that turns out, that's going to be a blast this weekend. A bunch of us will be on here. Uh, we will be doing our best. It's our first time broadcasting something. It's going to be... It's pretty experimental. I'm excited about it. Um, Even if there's like fights between us and camera movements and either way you're going to see the you get to see the behind the scenes and the real thing simultaneously it's going to be quite the fun uh show with moments of uh, a lot of shit being tossed around yeah that was the best answer ever right that was and michael thank you for the question and thank you for the ten dollars thanks for throwing the alley-oop up for cody um crossfit mountain island they serve beer who serves beer the barber shop he goes to oh that's nice. Uh, Cody, your mom was on here uh, saying how proud she was of you. I wanted to pull the comment up, but then it like it, it blew by me. I apologize. Uh, but it sounds like you got a good crew of support and loving family. You're a good dude. All right. Uh, any final words, Caleb? Nope. 